Hey everyone, I'm Alex. And I'm Courtney. And this is Nerds at Odds. Nerds at Odds is your weekly podcast about all things in nerd culture and beyond. And if you want to get the show four days early, ad-free, and with the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, head on over to patreon.com slash nerdsatodds. And you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Nerds at Odds. And if you can also leave a review of the podcast on whatever app you're listening to us on, that would help us out a lot. And we do have a YouTube channel where you can look at all of our old episodes of the podcast, as well as unboxing videos maybe gaming videos and we do have a twitch channel as well yeah so check those out those are both that nerds at odds and now let's get on to what we've been up to courtney what have you been doing recently i've been playing assassin's creed valhalla a little bit more a little bit more li- your last save file said i think said uh 15 hours yeah uh well i mean i haven't really had a chance to play that much this week i just started playing really this day today the day we're recording is gonna be my Valhalla day and I've been doing some reading playing some some app games on my phone but let's let's talk about Valhalla a little bit uh for those who maybe haven't listened to our next-gen console episode yet which you guys should check out what have you thought about Valhalla I really enjoy it I like the story is very good I like Vikings Mm. the Viking mythos is fun and there's definitely a lot of stuff to do, and sometimes it can be a little bit annoying. Like, there's a tiny little hole that you have to shoot an arrow through uh, to, like, break to up unlock bl- a door. Yeah, so there's, like, treasure hidden in people's houses, and you have to, to unlock the houses. And To be fair, I didn't need it, but I wanted it. <laughs> it the, the house unlocking puzzles seem a bit annoying to me. Yeah, well, that one was just, like like leather and stone mm. supplies that sort of thing not like not like the the wealth that yeah. you need to collect on the map you know like the big wealth yeah it was like a tiny wealth the most interesting aspect of the game for me is the city building aspect like you have your little viking village that you're upgrading as the story progresses yes uh, i think that's the thing that interests me the most because i like the kind of micromanaging type stuff so you get the resources you build the different buildings in your town you level up your town i like that aspect yeah uh i th- i can't remember what my town is it's not i think it's a settlement now mm. it was an encampment when you first start and then you had to upgrade uh, uh update your village enough times and then it becomes a settlement and then it'll probably come a village and then so on and so yeah. forth i just have it as a settlement right now but i'm going to work on some raiding right now i'm doing a quest thing which is unlike me it's a side quest, though, right? Because you haven't... Because, like, you've beat the prologue where you go to England. Yes. And you've picked up your first quest to, like, go make an ally in England. Mm-hmm. But you haven't started that yet. No. Well, I'm going to go get someone on my side. Sort of. Yeah. He's not, like... It's not, like big main quest yeah he's not like a mayor of a town or something that i'm assuming all the main quests no so i think he's got a white bear with him cool i think that that's that that's part of the quest is like oh you gotta find this guy he's got a white bear well in odyssey if i would call you played about 180 hours i'm not sure how much of that is dlc stuff 
Though you didn't complete the Atlantis DLC. I did not complete But I'm assuming like 150, 160 of those were just base game. And at this pace, do you think you're going to be able to put that many hours into Valhalla? Oh, for sure. For sure? More than, probably. <laughs> I'm already at like 17 hours or something. Yeah. And uh, I enjoy games that give you a lot of content for your money. Do you feel like the content you're completing in Valhalla is more meaningful than the content you're completing in Odyssey? Because some games will give you a bunch of like bloat that's not really fun to do, but it's just there for content. But do you think Valhalla is more enjoyable? I think everything's fun to do. Mm. Odyssey, everything was fun to do, in my opinion. The combat I don't like as much, but that's fine. You know, I'm getting better at the parrying and stuff. I just have to remember to do it because I'm just so used to just hit yeah. the trigger. <laughs> so the two, I guess the two main things that we can talk about without doing any spoilers, what's going on and kind of give a people an idea if they want to play this game, if they liked Odyssey or if they want to play it, if they didn't like Odyssey or whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. The two main differences I think besides the setting and all that, which is obvious, are... The combat, which you kind of brought up, where Odyssey is more kind of fast-paced, I guess, and Valhalla seems more almost Dark Souls light, where you block, or you step to the side, stab, wait for him to attack kind of deal. Especially if you're on a higher difficulty. Well, there is, there is parrying, and when you parry, you can stun them. And if you stun them, you can do a stun attack, hmm. which does a lot of damage. But you can also, like, at some point, if you knock them down on the ground, you can stomp on them. Which is always fun. And I'm unlocking new abilities uh, and new moves with the skill tree. Yeah. You know? So that's that's fun. What do you think about the skill tree? Because Valhalla's skill tree is like a literal tree almost. It looks like tons of like the different skills are little leaves maybe, on this big maybe tree. It's supposed to be like Idrisil. Perhaps. I the mean the world tree. Is is it complicated? Do you find yourself overwhelmed by this upgrade tree? Not really. I don't really look at a lot. I just look at the big main ones. Yeah, so like if you... There's like a branch that'll go off into like this thing of clouds. And I'm like, oh, I want to see what's over there. So I click on the one that like leads to over where the clouds are. And then it'll open it up and it'll be like, oh, you could use the predator bow. And I'm like, I don't care about the predator bow. And then I go in different directions. Yeah. So like each branch has a main skill. Like, oh, you can... Uh, guide your arrows or something like yeah. that and then there's tons of little well little... there's like the little ones are like health yeah like plus two health or, or stamina, something maybe like maybe not stamina so you're not really paying attention to those tiny ones you're just trying to make your way to these uh, bigger abilities yeah and and you can always like redo it yeah you can reset the whole tree as many times as you want for free you can even set up like reset the little tiny like, individual ones. Yeah, you can, yeah. You, it's like, oh, I, I don't want this. I'll go back a couple spaces and I'll go this way. Yeah, so there's some versatility there. And secondly, the I think maybe the biggest change from Odyssey is the way you explore the world. Side activities that are not main quests are either wealth, well, mysteries. mysteries, artifacts. Yeah, so you got, like, yellow dots, blue dots, white dots. And you don't really know what they are. They could be chests they could so, be... So the wealth could be, like, ingots of, like, yeah, upgrade, a metal. Upgrade materials, armor, weapons, things like that. Yeah. The mysteries could be side quests. Not not really side quests. They're more like... World events? 
like errands. Yeah, errands. They're, they're they're kind of world events, but they're they're more like errands. I would say. And e- and but there's also like you can there's these errands that you'll have to do, which are the most common ones are mm. the errands. Then there's like this glitch in the animus thing where you're seeing, I think maybe it's the Isu and like the fall of their civilization. So you see that and you have to like, you become the person out of the animus and you have to go like climb on this weird glitchy thing. Yeah. I think that's about it that I've seen. And I think the idea here behind this mechanic is that you're going to go to a dot not knowing what you're going to do. So yeah. there's a little more surprise about what's going on. Also with the mysteries, there's like there could be like a big dude that you have to fight yeah, like a, a, or like a, a, a legendary animal, mm. something along those lines. And then the artifacts are like, you know, like treasure map or something. Yeah. So do you find this system better than odyssey kind of not knowing what you're stumbling across just knowing something's over there it's it's fine yeah i mean it's interesting you you, you walk up to it and you're like oh what what's this new symbol mm. you know it's interesting though because i i don't really care about having a challenge <laughs> so i pick the easiest difficulty Usually with the easiest difficulty, it'll let you know what you're going into oh. beforehand. But this one doesn't, and I think that's nice. Yeah. The The coolest thing about... One of the coolest things about Valhalla for me was when you start a new game, mm-hmm. there's like several different things you can set difficulties for. Yeah. So you have like four or five from like easy to super hard a range of difficulties. Yeah. And then you could be like, do you want your combat to be easy, medium, hard? Do you want your exploration to be easy, medium, hard? And do you want your stealth? And you can choose hard for one, easy for the other two, easy for all three, hard for all three, whatever you want. So I like that customization in difficulty. I chose easy for everything. Yeah, I would too. I'm just, I'm all about the story and uh, exploring these worlds. So I don't really want much of a challenge in any of those things. Yeah, and, and like, honestly, the game is so beautiful. I just like looking around. I... Every time I see the little glitchy thing, though, I kind of forget that it's there because I've only encountered it twice. Mm-hmm. And you like you see something glitching, yeah. and you're like, "Oh no, what's what's yeah, wrong with the game? Play, yeah. What's wrong with?" The-? And you go over there, and it's like the whole that like that whole area is glitching, and mm-hmm. you see like this weird like hole. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I guess I'll see what this is. Well, two things. Uh, you mentioned it's beautiful. It is very pretty to look at because uh, you played on the PS4 to begin with and then you've played on PS5 now. Mm-hmm. PS5 with the HDR and the 4K and the 60 frames per second, it is beautiful to look at this game. To the glitchiness, I think this game has a lot of bugs. It, it has some bugs. Uh, it's never crashed on me though. Yeah, no game breaking stuff. And now with the PlayStation 4, uh, PlayStation 5 versus the PlayStation 4, mm-hmm. there's definitely less loading time which is good and bad because i like reading the little tips and tidbits yeah on the loading screen and i can't do that that as well it probably took what would have been minutes worth of loading i think on ps4 down to like 10 seconds but that's when you can take like a little drink you eat a little snack and you're good. I don't. I think. I think going forward with this generation of consoles, especially with PS5 with the controller and all that, it, it's more about immersing you more in the world. And I guess since you don't have a time to take a break from the game, you're more immersed, mm-hmm. right? So, last question about this before we move on. You loved Odyssey, right? Yes. As someone who loved Odyssey, would you recommend this game to someone who loved Odyssey? 
I think so. It's it's different. It's different because like I I tried to play Origins a little bit after Odyssey, and it I couldn't. Mm. Maybe it's like a little bit of like the the combat, a little bit of the ways. There's not as many like customization options in Origins as there is in Odyssey. But Valhalla has all of those customization options. And the combat is different, but that's fine. The main thing for me is that, that like I know Greek mythology a lot. And that's why I really liked Odyssey and going around that area. And I know Norse mythology a little bit. And like Egyptian mythology, I know like the teeniest amount. So I think I think going from from Odyssey to Valhalla is fine. You know, that's it's mm. great. I'm pretty sure Valhalla takes place after Odyssey. I think it takes place a thousand years after Odyssey. Yeah. So So that's fine. You know. I, I'm glad they weren't like still trying to go back. I can just imagine them trying to do like what Far Cry did with Far Cry Primal. Primal. Yeah. It's like Assassin's Creed Primal. It's like I, nobody cares. Yeah, I don't know how far back you can go than ancient Greece. Yeah. So and would you recommend it to someone who doesn't like Odyssey? I mean, you know, just try it out. If you have a friend that has it, maybe see, watch them play, watch people on YouTube play, mm. you know? I think uh I think Jack Patillo, he's doing a, mm. a playthrough where he he live streams it and then puts it up on his channel. Uh so check check it out, you know? See if you like how the gameplay looks, how the game looks. Yeah. And decide for yourself okay and now on to what i've been doing mm -hmm. i've been playing a lot of destiny 2 beyond light which is the new expansion that just came out i really enjoy it i think it might be the best story content destiny's ever had you can you can actually understand what's going on in the story without having to read lore posts on bungie's website so that's cool the villain has a uh, understandable reason for what they're doing you know she wants to like save her race of people but she's like going about it the wrong way you can understand where she's coming from the first time that's ever happened i think in destiny they have a new super class i think if you've played destiny and you liked it and you haven't uh played it recently you should jump back in on this and if you're interested in it and haven't tried it i think now's the best time ever to jump into the game and it's fun to play so that's my spill on that. I've also been playing... I feel like the people who would jump into Destiny, it's like, I feel like they're like, there's too much that I've missed out on to just jump into Destiny 2 if you they've never picked up a Destiny game before. Well, I think what Bungie does well is that you can play Destiny for free. It's a free-to-play game now. And, Interesting. Yeah, if you've never played it, you can download the free-to-play version, and it's called Destiny 2 New Light. And you start your story, and they have, like, a new main campaign that fast-tracks you to where this the newest DLC starts. So you know all the big moments that matter. You get caught up pretty quickly. I think you probably spend six, eight hours getting caught up if you never play the That's game. That's Interesting. I like because I feel like that was what would hold me back from starting a game mm. like that is like well there's just too much at this point I'm so far behind there's no point 
Yeah, I feel like I don't play a lot of these types of games like hardcore, so I'm not knowledgeable enough about them. But I feel like World of Warcraft is the only other one I've played a lot of. And I feel like World of Warcraft, if you start a new character, it's like nothing that you haven't played matters, right? Mm -hmm. it, you start, and the only thing that matters is what's new. So you don't really, it doesn't care what happened before. So you don't, you know, experience what the other people have experienced really, right? Sure. I feel like Destiny does a better job of giving you like the main points and getting you up. So you kind of understand what's going on around you more. So, if you haven't checked it out, it's free to play. You should check that out. And I've been playing some Bloodborne as well. I've been streaming it a little. I'm on Blood Starved Beast, which is the third boss. Um, I lost to it like four times. I used up all my resources. So what I'm working on right now is grinding souls to go back and buy all my resources again so I can go back to the boss and try to beat it. I think you should watch um, Viva La Dirt League's uh, Dark Souls oh, yeah. videos. They are hilarious. Yeah, they, I mean, they just had one where it was like, oh, if you're a new player to Bloodborne and or uh, Dark Souls and you're like cocky mm -hmm. about it, you're like, oh, I, could, I don't need these tutorials. And you go up to your first enemy and just get slaughtered. Yeah. I feel like I'm playing Bloodborne now because it's in the PS Plus collection, which you get for free if you buy a PS5 and you have PS Plus, which you probably do at this point. So it was available to me. And secondly, because Demon's Souls just came out, the remake of Demon's Souls, and it's a PS5 exclusive. And I'm like, man, that looks very interesting. You know, uh, I like those games, like the aesthetic of them. I'm just not good at them. So I was like, I don't want to play Demon's Souls because I don't want to spend $80 to buy it. So I'll just play Bloodborne because it's available to me. My sister's pretty good at those games. Yeah, I just... I don't know how. <laughs> I don't like, I don't have the patience, I feel like, to beat them. But I like the, like, gothic aesthetic of them. The only thing I have to say about Bloodborne is it's still gorgeous, like, five, seven years later, how old it is. But there's no PS5 version for it, so it's still running like it did on PS4. I wish they would update it for that, but I don't think they're going to. No, probably not. But it's available if you have the PlayStation Plus collection. So that's what I've been doing. We haven't been doing much outside of watching movies in preparation for this episode and the episodes coming because we're doing... All and, of course, TV shows every once in a while. We watch some Forge and Fire, Mass Singer, yeah. which if you if you haven't watched Forge and Fire, it is addictive. Yeah, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. It's addictive. Yeah. But uh, we have... This episode is the Disney Animated Part 1, mm -hmm. up to the Renaissance. Next episode is Disney Animated Part 2, Renaissance to Today. Then the next two episodes... No, there's one episode between these and the Christmas episodes, which we haven't thought about what we're going to do yet. But we are preparing for the Christmas episodes as well. That's what we've been doing together. We've been watching a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. Lastly, some the last thing we've watched together that's newsworthy is Mandalorian Season 2. We didn't give our thoughts on Episode 3 when it came out because we didn't watch it when we recorded that episode. We've watched it since then. Yes. So we've watched Episode 3 and 4 now. And let's give our non-spoiler review of these episodes because we're going to do an entire episode on season two when it ends. Mm -hmm. So episode three. Kind of boring. Kind of boring? Kind of boring. I thought it was entertaining, but I thought it was entertaining because of the cameos that are there. It was exciting to see those people that I've seen in other things show up finally. It's just like, nothing really happened. I think that is the through line for these first four episodes. Nothing. The the end of episode four 
it is finally being like, oh, there's a story. Remember the story that happened last season? We're picking back up with it now. Well, I feel like, I feel like, so like episode three, some like stuff happens and they're like, we can't do this. We got to go to someplace else. And then they're like, all right, episode four. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, we're on our way to get to see this person at the end of episode three. Yeah. And then episode four begins, and they're like, oh, ship, we can't make it there. Gotta land somewhere. And then episode four is like some side story. And then at the episode four, you get like a little couple minutes of something that is actually story related. Mm -hmm. So maybe five, I think there's eight episodes again. So five, six, seven, and eight. Maybe the back half of season two is going to matter. But I don't know if you skip from season one and just skip to season four, ep- season two, episode four. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've missed anything, honestly. I feel like they were just like, let's just throw in some cameos, you know? It's like, you know what we need? Cameos. You remember season? You need remember season one? Cameos, which is fine. I enjoy seeing characters yeah. rebrought up. And, but I, there was some stuff that was like this is gonna happen and then it immediately happened <laughs> and he started laughing i think the biggest problem for me right now is that they've announced that certain people are going to be in this season certain people that i care about much more than anyone else in this show yeah you're like just let me see this person just let me see this person i'm ready to see this person and i'm like just they're not gonna show it to you until like the end of season yeah, and two it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be upsetting that i mean that's what i want to see Though I guess that's just my expectations because it's the Mandalorian show and you should I, care I, about him and his characters. I feel like Mandalor- the Mandalorian is just like, we got Baby Yoda, <laughs> hijinks and soup. That's it. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. There's, there's a decent amount of that in episode four. So probably in about a month or so when this show wraps up season two, we'll give you our uh, season breakdown episode. I, I don't... It, spoiler free, probably. We'll see. If you like listening to podcasts about things in nerd culture, you might enjoy listening to audiobooks that can transport you away on grand adventures to exciting worlds, all while you go about your daily tasks like driving, cooking, and cleaning. Audible is the perfect place for you to find epic tales, and right now, all listeners can get a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash nerdsatodds. I'm currently listening to Dune by Frank Herbert in preparation for the movie that comes out later this year and it has really helped me fight the boredom induced by this pandemic. Audible has thousands of audiobooks available, and the best part is that with your free 30-day trial, you can download and listen to them all for free. So go to audible.com slash to get listening today. So into the topic of today's show, which is Disney Animated Movie Review Part 1. We're going to do the Golden Age through the Bronze Age. Now I'm going to go through all these movies. Alex likes to rate things. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that. I just, you know, I like it or I don't. Mm-hmm. He has written on the Nerds at Odds scale that is not patented. The patented Nerds at Odds rating scale. Not patented. And he put what he ranks them. Out of this section. Out of this section. So there's 19 total films. So they're going to be rated one as the best, 19 as the worst. And then I'll give you all patented Nerds at Odds rating scale rating. Not patented. And before we hop into these, you want to explain to the listeners... How we chose the movies we chose. So we decided to do the movies that were specifically done by the studio Disney Animated Studios. Studios. And we decided those. We decided not to do the Winnie the Pooh ones mm-hmm. because 
I think it was a TV show first before it was movie. Perhaps. And also very child. They're they're oriented. They're they, well, I mean these are Disney movies. They're all child oriented. But I, we just didn't think we would enjoy them as much, I think. Perhaps. And we also had they had to be theatrically released. Yes. No sequels. They couldn't be solely musicals, so like Fantasia and stuff don't count. Yes. And I think that's I think that was our categories. No Winnie the Pooh, no sequels, theatrically released. Disney yes. Animated Studios had to make them. Yes. Right? Yes. So so there were some movies that I remembered fondly, but they weren't technically made by Disney Animated Studios. Mm. And some stuff that Disney has acquired recently has added new movies to their repertoire, technically, but those don't count. Yes. So let's get on into it. So the Golden Age. Okay. Golden Age. We'll start with Snow White in 1937. Snow White. I'm going to give a boring two. Mm-hmm. And it is 16th place out of 19 on this list. Snow White, the only thing that saves it from being bad, in my opinion, is its historical context as the first animated film ever. Animated feature-length film. Yeah, yeah. And it's technically impressive if you think back to this being released, what, 83 years ago? Yes. So that gives it a little something. But nothing happens in this movie. And I think that's something that is a through line through a bunch of these older Disney films is that it's just a series of events that happen to these characters without much in the way of a through line. Well, so the Golden Age is sort of like things happen and people don't really do anything. Yeah. Um... Silver Age is a little bit better. Like, you get character development yeah. for people, stuff like that. Bronze Age, Disney tried their hardest. <laughs> so, we'll see when we get there how I feel about those. But, yeah, Snow White, uh, historically significant, a boring film. And I think the key here, with any of these movies that we say don't have much in the way of a through line, is... Try to explain the story of Snow White and what actually happens. You know? Yeah. And I, then and then explain how that happens for ninety minutes. Well, I I don't know. It's I like Snow White. I do. Um, I feel bad. Uh, for the actress. For the actress. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that later. I think that should be an interesting fact. Yeah. Okay. Considering not your interesting facts that you have listed don't have anything to do with the movies that we talked about. Yeah. Next film. <laughs> Next film, uh, we've got Pinocchio from 1940. I think Pinocchio is mediocre. Uh, a little below average on the Nose at Oz rating scale. It goes excellent, entertaining, average, mediocre, boring, bad. I feel like Pinocchio is mediocre. I feel like it is a more entertaining than Snow White and what happens to the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there's a little more character development or just character in general in Pinocchio. Okay. With him and Jiminy Cricket. Geppetto. Yeah, Geppetto. What's but, the cat's name? Oh, I don't know the cat's name. But... I love the cat. But I feel like Pinocchio as a movie is still a little more meandering than I would like. Figaro? Yes, Figaro is the cat's name. But I feel like Pinocchio is just another series of events that happen to this character and not much 
gets done by the end of the movie. There is character development, though. The, I, the problem with, like, all of these Disney movies is that they're all based on something else. Mm. You know? I think uh, at least most of them are based on something else. I'm assuming all of these are based on a book. Book, story, Yeah, short something. story, something like that, yeah. But I think Pinocchio is also meandering, though I think the events that happen to him are more entertaining than the ones that happen to Snow White, and there's more character development in Pinocchio, giving it a mediocre, and it is 10th place okay. out of 19. Okay. So we've got uh, Dumbo. Dumbo. 1941. Not counting credits, Dumbo is less than an hour long. I don't know if you can count it as a feature film, technically, but it's on here. I think it's the worst for, like, political correctness and stuff, too. Yeah, d- d- Dumbo, some of these films... It's gotta be the most racist one. Yeah, some of these films in the gold and silver and bronze age are problematic with their portrayals of characters and stereotypes. Yes. But I don't know if the vast majority of them are blatantly racist. Dumbo is blatantly racist. Yeah. There's, there's not like a poor, it's not like a poor joke or bad stereotype. There's like a whole song. Yeah, it is blatantly racist. And it is boring. Dumbo is a boring film. There's a scene in Dumbo with the train at the beginning that just lasts five minutes. And it's just a train driving. And it, Not to mention the pink elephants on parade. Yeah, they drink the absinthe or whatever it is. I think it's absinthe. And it's just, it's a useless movie. Nothing happens in this film. It is bad. It is a bad movie. It's not just boring. It is bad. And it is 18th out of 19th. Dumbo is such a cute character. And it's so unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like the idea of doing a live action Disney movie episode. Mm-hmm. And I've heard bad things about the Dumbo live action movie. Yeah. There's no way it can be worse than I this. I think people remember Dumbo way more fondly than, like, they need to rewatch it and yeah. be like, oh, this is really boring and also problematic. Yeah. And also, I just want to point this out that I don't remember. I'll bring up when I remember watching a movie as a kid. So far, I don't remember seeing these movies as a kid, these three we've talked about so far. So I have no nostalgia for these. These are adult Alex looking at these as films, and Dumbo is trash. So next movie. Next, the last movie of the Golden Age. Yeah. We have Bambi from 1942. Now, I remember liking Bambi, but when I watched it, I didn't, like, remember much about it. You know, I remember the characters, but I don't remember what happens in the movie uh, other than, like, the obvious thing with his mom. Yes. But Bambi, watching it now as an adult, through a critical lens, Bambi is also boring. They're cute animals, but nothing really happens. It's just a couple things happen to Bambi. There's not really much of a through... There's not much of a story here. There's no character development. Yeah. Bambi 2, if, like, if you ever watch that, that's where the character development comes in, and it's made, like, decades after. Yeah. And it's, like, him growing up with his father after his mom dies. Mm. And... Because you get... You get... In Bambi, you get him with his mom, and then his mom dad dies, and his dad is like, come with me, son. And then they go away, and then we come back, and he's, like, an adult deer. Yeah, so... Basically. I just think that it's just a bunch of 
as a series of unfortunate events or events, just events that happen to these characters in these movies. And none of them make matter to the movie, you know? Mm. The story would be the same with or without most of these events. Who's your favorite character in Bambi? In Bambi? Yes. Thumper. Flower's my favorite. Yeah, but they're just, they're cute characters, but they don't matter. Well, you know, I think it's, I think it's a fine movie. I think it's, I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I gave Bambi a boring, and uh, it's 14th out of all these films. Okay. And now for some error uh, trophies. Don't actually drum the table, Yeah, I was going to drum the cha- table, but uh, I thought against that. You can, you can find a sound of a drum roll. Now for some error trophies. Okay, okay. Which movie was the worst of the era? I think we all know which yeah, one you're going to There's only say. four here. Uh, Dumbo is the worst of this era by a mile. Okay. And which is the best? Pinocchio, I think, is the best of this era by a little bit. Dumbo. No, Pinocchio. Yeah. Pinocchio is the best. How do you feel so far? We finished this era. What do you think of my opinion so far? I think Snow White deserves a little bit more props, honestly. Historically, though? Historically, like, honestly, like, it, it can be a little boring, but it's still, like, a great film. Like, it's iconic. It's oh, iconic. It's The it, Witch... I, it is what? it is a little dumb that the the evil queen just kind of dies of her own volition, <laughs> like falls off a cliff, and the vultures like look at each other and they're like, "Ooh." Yeah, I mean, I could maybe see a mediocre, but I think giving it that level of historical props is is not right. I also feel do. like a big problem is that we watch these kind of at nighttime. Mm. And you get very sleepy. You'll fall asleep during, like, action sequences. I fell asleep during the end of Aquaman. You fell asleep during the, like, action sequence of Pinocchio. I don't know if there's an action sequence in there Pinocchio. There is an action sequence. No, things happen. I don't asleep. know if I call it action. Oh, though. whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's the golden age. What's the next one? Okay, next we have the silver age. Mm. So we've got Cinderella starting it off. Uh-huh. Uh, 1950. So, surprisingly to me, Cinderella was really good. I, I, gave, Cinder- Cinderella. I gave Cinderella an entertaining. I think the, the part where the mice are messing with the cat, yeah. it feels very Tom and Jerry to me. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that like slapstick humor type in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the love story uh, weighs the movie down. There's not a lot of that romantic lovey-dovey stuff that I thought was going to weigh Cinderella down a lot. And I like the slapstick humor. And the songs are good. Uh, this is the first song I remember from any of these movies. I don't remember any of the songs from the Golden Age, but Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo, good song. Yeah. Good. Uh, I honestly th- think that the, the parts with the mice are kind of boring to me. Because mm. it's like, nothing's really happening. Especially when they go through all that trouble to make the dress and then it just gets destroyed yeah. anyway. It's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but at least there's a story. You understand what's happening in Cinderella. Things aren't happening just to happen. There is a story that gets progressed yes. in this movie. Yes. So it's number five out of 19. Entertaining. That's good. That's good. Mm. All right. Next, Alice in Wonderland, 1951. 
I wanted to like Alice in Wonderland. I really did. I liked the Johnny Depp movie, at least the first one. I like the characters that seem wacky. I like the idea of Alice in Wonderland, I guess, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Alice in Wonderland, the movie, is so boring. I don't know if it's bad, because the visuals are impressive. Yes. But it is boring. I don't know what's happening, why it's happening. Alice takes so long to get somewhere. She's going to the Queen of Hearts place and just... No, that's not her. what she is trying to get to. What's she trying to do? She's trying to follow the White Rabbit. Yeah, she follows the White Rabbit and stuff happens. And and then she's trying to go back home. That's not really a story, you know? That's just stuff happening. The whole movie is stuff happening to happen. And it's boring. Yeah, there are some great live-action versions mm. of Alice in Wonderland that I wish I could show you, but they're, like, nowhere. Yeah. There's one with Whoopi Goldberg mm. as the Cheshire Cat. Okay, interesting. And I think uh, Gene Wilder's in it. He plays a turtle. Ah. It comes is it, up. Is it animated? It's not animated, no. Gene Wilder is a turtle? They have, like, Whoopi Goldberg is dressed in, like, oh. as a cat. This, sound, no. this is getting worse, I think. Well, it like her face is on a cat, mm. and Gene Wilder is in a turtle suit. Okay, and it's really fun. But well, I gave Alice in Land a boing, and it's seventeenth out of these nineteen films. That's fair. Okay, Peter Pan, nineteen fifty-three. Peter Pan, I like the story of Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. The idea is cool. The movie we watched with Robin Williams was really good. That's Hook. Yeah, but it's Peter Pan. Yeah, but you have to watch Peter Pan to know. I suppose. Yeah. But the movie Peter Pan, you have to know who all the people are to understand the movie to begin with. If you watch Peter Pan and you don't know anything about the story of Peter Pan, you don't know what's going on. I feel like you need background information before watching Peter Pan to understand the lore. Also, it is blatantly racist, Peter Very Pan racist. is. Very Not racist. even like a poorly done stereotype. Peter Pan, blatantly racist uh, movie. I gave it a mediocre because it's still a fun watch, though stuff happens to happen, like yes. many of these movies, and the blatant racism does hurt it, and I feel like it's confusing if you don't understand who Peter Pan is. There's this good version of Peter Pan. It's a live-action version. I love all these live <laughs> Yeah, the one with Hugh Jackman. No. Oh, no, that's <laughs> awful. And that that's just called Pan. Yeah. Um, not that one. It I think it's called Peter Pan, and it's got the guy who plays Draco, no, no, uh, Lucius Malfoy. He mm. plays the dad. Interesting. And he plays Hook. Okay. So it's interesting. It's like, you could think that Wendy's just asleep through the whole thing, and she sees her father as Captain Hook mm. sort of situation. But it's a really good, I think, rendition of it. Um, one of my favorites, and we'll have to watch that at some time if we could ever find it. And I think it's better than the the animated version. Yeah. Well, I gave Peter Pan a mediocre, like I said, and it's 11th out of 19. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Lady and the Tramp, 1955. Lady and the Tramp was very, very good. I oh, gave it an entertaining. Lady and the Tramp does have some problematic scenes. Yes. But I think they're just stereotypes that were done in poor tastes. And I don't think they're blatantly racist like the scenes in Peter Pan or Dumbo are. They're just slightly problematic. And since it got released in 55, 
you know, it's a seventy-five-year-old film, sixty-five-year-old film. I mean, you can't you can't be like racism's ever okay, but with its with when it was made, yeah, that's just how people thought back then. It's a shame. It's not fair, but that's just how people thought back then. I guess I'm judging this based on if I would show these films to my kid, right? Yeah. I wouldn't show Peter Pan or Dumbo to our child as a for them to watch until they're old enough for me to explain to them what's going like, on. Like, this is not okay, don't sing yeah. this song, or like, this is not okay, Pe people aren't like this. Yeah, I, I don't, I think Lady and the Tramp is still fine for your kid to watch without you having to give them a talk beforehand. And it's a very fun movie. It's very enjoyable. Yes. I gave it an entertaining. It is number two out of these 19 for me. Yes. Uh, we've got Sleeping Beauty, 1959. Sleeping Beauty was average. I gave it an average. Mm -hmm. I felt like it's just something's happened to happen. I didn't like the ending that much. It was just average. I don't have much to say on it. It was whatever. I like Sleeping Beauty. I, I love the songs in Sleeping Beauty. Some of my favorites. I, I will admit there is... Like, the hijinks with the fairies is a little mm. bit much uh, at times. Especially, like, the changing from pink to blue to pink to blue. I think they just wanted to... Sh uh, sell figurines with both dresses <laughs> yeah maybe but i still i really like the movie i i i love disney movies yeah but uh, i gave it it's sixth out of these 19 films for me so i mean it's above average out of these 19 films yes um but i'll give it a rating of an average that's fair 101 dalmatians 1961 101 dalmatians i also gave an average too because it is a bit meandering and I remember liking it as a kid, but I think I'm remembering the live-action movie. The live-action movie's really good. Because that came out when we were kids. I remember... Is it the first one or the second one where they bake her into a cake? I don't remember. I'll never remember. But I just I feel like there's not a lot of Coella DeVille in this movie, honestly. I mean, she's in the movie. You see more of her amount. henchmen, I think, than you see of her... That's true. And she's the best part of this movie. She doesn't do anything, like, blatantly, like, evil, I guess. Yeah. Maybe a little bit, but you never see her, like, getting her hands dirty, really. Yeah, she's the best part of this movie, I feel. I like her character. She is a great villain. Uh, design, at least. The, the worst part of this movie is, like, the Night Howl or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, the Night Howl lasts forever. And, and you're just like, okay, just get there... Just get there. Yeah, just get this over with. Why do we need 10 minutes of this night how? But it's it's a bit meandering, uh, and I wish there was more Cruella de Vil in it. I gave it an average. It's 8 out of these 19. I really like the part where um, the male dog, I can't remember his name right now, is like talking about his pet, which is the human, yeah. and he's like, I just need to find him a, a woman. I, I do feel like it's a little bit... When he's describing the the women, the women and, and the stuff, yeah. it's a little upsetting to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like, oh well, why couldn't he go with the 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 slightly pudgier woman? Mm. Seems fine to me. I mean, like the dog being like really short, yeah. it wouldn't work with the Dalmatian. But still, unfortunate. Next uh, up, 
Next we have The Sword in the Stone from 1963. What can I say about The Sword in the Stone? Disney's most ambitious, impressive, but this is the worst movie out of all 19 of these. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. It's bad. It's bad, 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 bad. I have... 19th out of 19th, bad. I remember the beginning fondly as a child. But then it just... It just... I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I don't know why things are happening the way they are. And then, and then you think, well, he's going to become King Arthur at some point. And he kind of does at the end, and then the movie ends. Yeah, the the movie that should have happened is the movie that happens after this movie. Uh, there might be a Sword in the Stone too, and it's probably trash. I don't think there is. But but the the interesting movie is the one that happens after this movie ends. This movie is awful, awful. We also watched Quest for Camelot recently, which is not a Disney movie. No. Would you say it gave you a little bit more of what you were looking for for a King Arthur thing? Quest for Camelot is better than this movie. Well, yeah. The thing most things I didn't like Quest for Camelot movie. that much. I would have I think Quest for Camelot is like a mediocre though. I wouldn't say boring or bad. The thing I liked about Quest for Camelot the most is that they had this vision about these like robotic people, right? Yeah. And they went for it, and I can appreciate that idea. Um, I don't know if they do the story that much justice. But mediocre, maybe even average, thinking back on it. I don't think it was entertaining. I think it's meandering a bit, like a lot of these older films are. Mm-hmm. But it is better than Sword in the Stone. Sword in the Stone is one of the worst films I've ever seen. It's horrible. Well, clearly you've never seen Pirate Kids. Next, we have Jungle Book, 1967. Jungle Book is was upsetting for me. Because I like Blue... And I liked the live-action movie that came out. Yes. Uh, I saw it probably around the time it came out. It's been a little while. But I can tell you I liked it more than this movie. The animated Jungle Book movie is not great. It's boring. Nothing happens. I liked Bare Necessities. That is a great song. Yes. Goes I, on for way I too hated long. it by the end of the movie. They, they played Bare Necessities like they were... Billy Ray Cyrus in the 80s when Achy Breaky Heart just came out. They play it as the opener. They play a melody in the middle. And they close the show with Bare Necessities. They play Bare Necessities way too much. Yeah. It's a great song. I loved it. It sucks that they played it so much that I hate it now. Well, here's another thing. I just hate Mowgli. Yeah, Mowgli learns nothing this whole movie. He doesn't learn anything. If he if he would develop some as a character, this movie wouldn't have any as much conflict as it does. Yes. Uh, it's just like it's just like I'm not scared of you. Clearly scared of him, and then goes after Shere Khan again. Yeah. It's just it's just I don't understand. Yes, yeah, meandering. There's no character development. They ruin the good parts I remembered from the movie by doing them way too many times. Also, I took a British literature class mm. in college, and we read the actual Jungle Book that uh, I think it's Kipling wrote. Oh, no. I think it's Kipling. My British literature professor hates the Jungle Book animated movie. Hates it. And after reading the book, I can see why. Mm. It is nothing like the book. Even... The live-action ones that they've done, they're not equal 
to the book. The book is great. Kind of racist. It's a product of its time. Mm. But, like, comparatively, the movies just kind of flop. Yeah. If you really like the book. Mm. So, the best of this era is Lady and the Tramp by a significant margin. Next up would be Cinderella, but I think Lady and the Tramp is much better than Cinderella. Mm -hmm. Worst of this era is Sword in the Stone. By a lot. Yes. By a lot. Anything you have to say on this Silver Age that you didn't agree with me with? I don't know. I think this seems fine. Seems fine? Okay. So let's get on into the Bronze Age. Bronze Age. What people say is Disney's worst age. Some some say. I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, the Bronze Age is the best of these three ages. Some people really... So like... It's just that these movies didn't do as well. Yeah. I think the Bronze Age is noticeable because the animation seems like they didn't take as much time to do it. Because you can see the pencil lines when they're doing the animation. Yes. And uh, I don't appreciate that. But we'll talk about when we get into these movies. So the first film of the Bronze Age. First film of the Bronze Age. Aristocats. One I, of my favorites. I like Aristocats a lot. It does have a lot of sloppy animation. Where and you see the and some meandering. Yeah, it's kind of, there's a little bit of meandering. There's some sloppy animation. There are some stereotype cats. It, we almost made it through yeah, without yeah. some stereotypes. There, there is a five-second scene where this cat who's supposed to be Chinese does some racist interpretations of a Chinese person. Yes. And they could have cut that out of the movie entirely and made it fine. So there's not much there, especially when you look at, like, Peter Pan or Dumbo. Aristocats is Lady and the Tramp, but with cats, pretty much. Kind of. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little worse than Lady and the Tramp, but I think Aristocats is still entertaining. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the third best of these 19 movies. That's fair. Okay. Robin Hood, 1973. This is the movie I look forward to the most out of all these movies uh, from Gold, Silver, Bronze Age. Because I remember loving it as a child. And Robin Hood is a boring movie. It is so meandering. Nothing happens in this film for long stretches of time. The songs are the best part of this movie. Yes. By a mile. Yes. But nothing happens in this movie for long stretches of time. And when stuff does happen, I'm bored to sleep by the last 30 minutes I watched. So I can barely care about these action scenes. Robin Hood is boring. It is the 13th best movie out of these 19. It's it's a very slow movie. I remember it fondly. But it it does definitely take some hits mm. re-watching it when, when you're not a child. But I feel like that's just Robin Hood in general. I have a question. Have you seen the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movies? Maybe. But it's uh, Prince of Thieves is the name of it. Maybe. Maybe. Because I haven't seen... I've a, watched a lot of Robin I've Hood. never seen a good Robin Hood movie. The um, Russell Crowe one is bad. I, I watched that recently. The one they just released with Jamie Foxx is bad. I don't think I've seen it. And this movie, bad. Why can't they make a good Robin Hood movie? Have you watched Princess of Thieves? 
No, no, I haven't. Is that good? With Kiera Knightley. Is it good? I think it's good. You think it's good? So, I... so it. She's like the daughter mm. of Robin Hood and Maid Marian. Well, I mean, I just as long as it's interesting. I haven't seen a good Robin Hood movie yet, so we'll have to watch it. Yeah. It's a Disney movie, mm. but it's not on Disney Plus. Yeah. There's that hurts a. Me. There's a video game coming out, I think, 2021 called Hood or something like that. It's called The Hood or something. Yeah. Where it's an RPG where you play Robin Hood. And I'm interested to see if that's a good game or not, because I'd be interested to play as Robin Hood. It might be able to live out my Green Arrow fantasy. Oh, yes. So uh, what's next on this? Uh, Next we have The Rescuers from 1977. I feel like The Rescuers is an average film. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of meandering. Yes. I think the biggest part of the movie that hurts it for me is that I hate the villains. That woman and that dude. Medusa? I, yeah, I don't like the design. And what's the guy's name? Sorcerer's S. It does start with an S. Spud? Spork, Sykes? Sykes? No, Sykes is from uh, all of them company. Yeah. Whatever his name is. I don't like the designs. I don't like the characters. There's some meandering. But it was average. I'm putting it 7th out of these 19. Rescuers 2, Rescuers Down Under. That one's pr- fairly good. Mm. I enjoyed that one uh, a bit. If the um, villains are better, I mean, it might own it entertaining for me. I, so. I just love the the two mouse characters. I can't remember their Bianca name. and Bernard. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love their little love story. It's great. So next up. The movie I was dreading to watch the most. Yes. Fox and the Hound, 1981. And I was only dreading to watch it because I remember it being very sad. And yes. I don't like sad movies. Uh, it's not as sad as I remember it being. It's still a little sad, but not as sad Rewatching it. I feel like Bambi, if you're connected to it more, is more mm-hmm. sad. The, yeah. the, the, the beginning is like, oh, no. Yeah. But that gets over pretty quickly. And you get introduced to the owl, the woodpecker, and the... Big Mama. Yeah, Big Mama. I don't remember the birds' names, though. The woodpecker and the other guy, the short guy. I don't remember their names, but Big Mama's the owl. Yeah, you get introduced to them, and the woodpecker and the other bird are hunting the caterpillar. Squeaky? Squeaks? Squeaks. Squeaks. I think his name is Squeaks. They're hunting him, and that just, like, alleviates that sadness from his mom dying. Yes. I remember being more sad... Uh, Todd and Copper at the end when they're kind of hating each other. I remember being more sad about that. But that didn't really affect me that much this time around. Though I don't know what the movie's saying. Because I think the movie is trying to say that you could be friends with someone who is not from your walk of life. Yeah. But Copper and Todd drift apart and at the end of the movie they're not friends with each other. So I feel like that clashes with what I feel the movie is saying. Yeah, I I don't know. I really love uh Bixie. Yeah, the the female fox. The female fox. I have to say the worst part of this movie I think is the songs. The songs are not there. That they're not really songs. Yeah, big part big, of the time. Yeah, uh it's not Big Mama, it's the widow. Who I don't know if she has a name. They just call her widow. Like that guy calls her widow. <laughs> I, I which like, seems like a mean thing to call someone. I think he calls her name at one point, but it, he comes over to her house and is like widow you yeah. listen here and it's uh, like um the excuse song, me the song she sings is just her talking yeah also I, I said i would i cried a little bit when she she let todd go yeah into the forest yeah yeah but i felt like by then i'm like todd this is your fault dude you're like 
you're the you're you're causing trouble and you're better off here. So I felt that way. I know it was sad for her, but I didn't care about her. I care about Todd. You know. Well, he really wasn't causing trouble towards the end there. Like he caused trouble at the beginning, mm. a little bit. But that, like, on his own farm. He wasn't going after the chickens. He was just trying to talk to Copper. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't causing issues. Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, I feel like... I'm, I gave this movie an excellent. It is a well-crafted movie. Yes. Um, I really liked it. I felt like this is the only one on this list that is an excellent, that falls in the rule, that sometimes entertaining movies are better than excellent movies. Excellent movies can be like the Oscar winners that you're like, that's a well-crafted movie, but it's not the Thor Ragnarok that I'd watch like once a week, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't like it as much as some of the other movies. It's the fourth place movie on this list for me. Yes. But it is the best crafted movie out of these 19. That's fair. So. All right. Black Cauldron, 1985. Black Cauldron is interesting. Because I want to get the book series it is based off of now. Yes. But not because the movie's good. Not because the movie's good, but because... the Well, the first half of the movie, maybe exactly the first 45 minutes of this movie, I was like, yeah, dude, yeah, Black Cauldron, let's go to this movie, man. I liked the pig. I liked the bad guys menacing, you know? I like what's happening. And then the back half, the last 45 minutes, I'm like, oh, Black Cauldron, no. <laughs> no. How'd you lose your footing so much? It's like much? the witches and, like, yeah, one of them's really big boob and wants to, to date that musician dude. Yeah, it's just, it becomes meandering when at first it was an interesting world with characters and feelings that I thought were interesting. The back half is like, why Why is this movie still going? Well, let's, it's over, man. It's been over 20 minutes. Yeah, let's wrap it up. The author's like, I mean, it gets people to talk about my movie, I, uh, my book. books, I guess. Read the books, yeah, though. I think, we should, I think we should buy the box set. They're like, uh, I don't know if young adults like right word. They're chapter books, but they're for like younger kids, like elementary school kids, I guess. Maybe. Check those out if you're interested in Black Cauldron, because I feel like the world is interesting. I don't know if the books are good, but if they flesh out the world more, I'd be into those. Mm-hmm. So Black Cauldron gets a mediocre because the first half is probably entertaining, back half is boring, average them together, mediocre. It's the twelfth film on this list for me. Okay. Next we have the Great Mouse Detective, nineteen eighty six. Great Mouse Detective is I think the worst part of the Great Mouse Detective that is that it's based on Sherlock Holmes. That's the worst part for the movie. Because when it lets you down, it lets you down harder. Because it's it has something that's so easy. Just like Sword in the Stone. It's like King Arthur. Just, you can nail it. It's there, you know? Yeah. The blueprint's there. Great Mouse Detective, while it's a better movie than Sword in the Stone by a mile. The groundwork is there. It just has to be a Sherlock Holmes movie, adapt, adapted um, with cute characters. The mouse, you know. With... And, and a lot less opium. Yeah. I feel like it's boring. It's meandering in parts. The worst part of the movie for me is Radigan because he is overacted. How, I don't understand how you can have an overacted animated character. I think he's supposed to be overacted. Well, I, I think he has to be because I don't understand how you can... Like, if an actor in a live-action movie is an overactor, 
there's not much you can do if every take you have of this guy is him being bad, right? Mm -hmm. You have to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Animated, I feel like the the animated character goes through so many people's hands who have to be like, yeah, that's good. Keep going, you know? There's a more of a process there. And that must have been their intention for him to act this way. And I'm put off by him. I'm like, you're an, it's, he's an over-actor. Well, I feel like half the movie, over half the movie, you were like, isn't that the same guy from American Tale? I was, and I wish he was, because that guy's an interesting villain. But, like, literally, I'm not joking, guys. Like, the whole movie, he was like, that's the same guy. The name's the same. No, no. He looks exactly I didn't the think, same. I didn't think it was the same character. I thought, it was the, I thought they had the same names and looked like each other. They don't look anything like each other, and they... It's not the same name at all. Radigan is from The Great Mouse Detective. William T. Rat is from American Tale. What I'm saying is watch American Tale. I gave Great Mouse Detective a mediocre. I was bored out of my mind. Uh, Also, I didn't realize there are like four American Tale movies. I only knew there were two. So I'm going to have to watch those. But yeah, Great Mouse Detective, I don't remember watching it Mm -hmm. beforehand. It was... Okay. I gave it a mediocre. It's ninth on my list. Now, the last film out of Gold, Silver, and Bronze Age for this episode is... Oliver and Company, 1988. This is the movie I I remember watching the most out of all of these, and I didn't know I had seen it before. As soon as it started and that dog steals the hot dogs at the beginning, I'm like, wait a second. I've I've seen this movie tons of times. Yeah, it... I don't know why we waited so long to watch it. You were like, oh, I don't want to watch that. Some weird cat movie. Yeah. I don't know. Here's the thing, though. I remember tons of scenes from Olive and Company, yeah. right? I don't remember this cat being in this movie. I remember the cool dog that's played by Billy Joel, who I thought sang the theme song at the beginning, but the theme song sung by Huey Lewis in the news. But Billy Joel um, voices the dog, yes. the main dog. And I remember him, and I remember the bad guy and the... A uh, good guy. Yes. And that's what I remember. And the poodle. I remember her. Yes. So I remember a lot of elements from this movie. I just don't remember seeing it until I saw it again. I was like, oh, I've seen this tons of times. So perhaps my nostalgia played a factor in for me. Mm-hmm. But I thought this was the most entertaining film. Yeah. It had some great songs. Yes. Great characters. Yeah, great characters. A lot of good development. And I, I think this is an excellent movie. Maybe without nostalgia, it's entertaining. But either way, I'd put this as number one out of these 19 films. Yeah. It, it was, it's such a good movie. I love Oliver and Company. I haven't watched it in years. And rewatching it, I'm like, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Remembering all this stuff, I'm like, oh, this is about to happen. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. It was great. Yeah. So, worst of this era is sadly Robin Hood. Yeah. Despite me wanting to love it. Best of this era is Oliver and Company. And Oliver and Company is a more fun movie to watch. Yes. I would watch it again. But I think Fox and the Hound's a better made movie. Though Fox and the Hound, the songs are not fun to listen to. Fox and the, and the Hound, though, like, it's like, it can be a little scary. If you're like a kid, yeah. When when Todd starts like growling and his face changes, yeah. and his eyes get tiny, yeah. and you're like, yeah, that's terrifying. But I think the subject matter is 
heavier, mm. which will make me not want to rewatch it as often. Mm. So I think Fox and the Hound is the best made movie out of these 19. But I think Arthur and Company is the best of this era and the best from gold through bronze. Yes. Arthur and Company. So for the Bronze Age, is there anything you want to take me to task on or do you think I'm about how you feel as well? I honestly think Fox and the Hound should go up higher, but... Well, well, I have Olive and Company, Lady and the Tramp, Aristocats, Fox and the Hound. Where would you put Fox and the Hound out of those four? I'd put it above Aristocats. I could see that. I could see that. I, I like Aristocats, but I, I would put it above Aristocats. Anyway, we're going to go through your list that you have them rated from first to last. Number one, Oliver and Company. Number two. Lady and the Tramp. Lady and the Tramp. Number three, Aristocats. Number four, Fox and the Hound. Number five, Cinderella. Number six, Sleeping Beauty. Number seven, Rescuers. Number eight, 101 Dalmatians. Number nine, The Great Mouse Detective. Number 10, Pinocchio. Number 11, Peter Pan. Number 12, The Black Cauldron. Number 13, Robin Hood. Number 14, Bambi, number 15, The Jungle Book, number 16, Snow White, number 17, Alice in Wonderland, number 18, Dumbo, and number 19, The Sword in the Stone. Nerds at Odds is made possible by our supporters over on patreon.com slash nerds at odds. If you want to become a member of our community and gain access to the show four days early, Gain the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, and so much more. Consider supporting us over there. Thank you. So, before you guys yell at us in the comments, uh, be sure to rewatch all of these films. If you haven't seen them, like, within the past six months or so. Just to give yourself a refresher. And try to take your nostalgia out of it, because... He had no nostalgia. Just, just from a, a movie standpoint, a lot of these are... are uh, boy i mean you know people have their own opinions listen if you want to tell us why we're wrong sure mm. go ahead but don't be mean i know it's the internet you're anonymous essentially don't be mean it's our opinions mm. everyone has opinions and they all stink so, so i have a question for you yeah. going forward with mm. next week's episode in mind do you think Oliver and Company is going to be number one after that? And do you think Sword of the Stone is going to be 19, or oh, last, after next week's episode, if we compile the list together? Well, we've already watched Home on the Range. We've watched about half the movies we have to watch for next week, I think. Yes, but we've already watched Home on the Range, which I think is one of the worst uh, from the next part. Yeah, Renaissance Forward, yeah. And what did you, do you think that was worse than... Sword in, the, uh, Sword in the Stone? Probably not. I think Home on the Range is somewhere in the middle of all these. Yeah, so I think it... I I can't see any movie being worse than our worst one. There could be ones that you like a lot more. You've never seen Big Hero 6. That's no. on the list. It's possible. I think that Sword in the Stone is going to be the worst movie still after yes. next week. yes. And I feel like Oliver and Company might squeeze in in the top ten. It might be. Yep. Yeah. But, I'm going to let mean, you... You're, listen, his rating scale is all his. I have my own opinions, but I don't like rating things. So, it's all going to be... You can yell at him. 
So that's fine. That's fine with me. And Akita's Corner, whose yes. favorite movie was Aristocats by yes. a mile. Akita loved Aristocats, yeah. uh, cat representation. She also liked Oliver and Company, but she didn't like that part where Oliver barked like a dog. Yeah. She thought it was demeaning. Yeah. Traitor. Traitor. Yeah. To, uh, to the cats. Kita would like to remind everybody to spay and neuter your pets and to adopt from a shelter whenever possible. And I know Christmas is coming up. Don't buy a pet just to get tired of it, leave it out in the cold. If, you, if you're going to have a, a dog, a cat, puppy, rabbit, whatever you may want, don't just get it and then build a chain link fence for it to sleep in in the freezing cold yeah so keep in mind if you have the means and the time to take care of an animal before you adopt it so let's get on into our interesting facts you wanted to say a word about snow white so let's get on to that real quick yes so snow white uh if you didn't know the the credits are in the opening part. Mm -hmm. It's got opening credits. Lots of older movies do. A, a fair amount of these have opening credits. The actress who does the voice acting for Snow White and all of the voice actors in the whole movie, none of them are credited in the English version of the movie. They're in the, like, foreign mm -hmm. versions of the movie where, like, people are dubbing over it. Those have actual, like, at the end of all of it, there'll be, like, a black screen come up on Disney+, Plus and it shows you, like, who did those, who did the voices for those. But all of the people that did the original voice work for Snow White are not credited at all. And the woman who played Snow White and the man who played the prince were not allowed we're not invited to the opening, the the first theatrical release of Snow White. They had to sneak in, and Walt Disney wanted to make sure that Snow White's voice wasn't used for anything else, so he essentially blacklisted her. <laughs> and she wasn't really able to work again, and she didn't really get a lot of money from Snow White. Mm. Very unfortunate. So speaking of dubbing things in other countries, yes. much like uh, I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan, mm -hmm. in China, Jackie Chan plays the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. Unfortunate what, that Beast doesn't sing in that movie until you get to the live action version. Yeah, but it's, it's insane to see how Jackie Chan is viewed over in China as a much more versatile actor. Well, it, the problem with being in in America, being an actor, you get typecast. Yeah. You know, like, like, uh, who's the character? Who's the guy who plays Scott Pilgrim? Michael Sarah. Yeah, he always plays, like, a nerdy guy. Mm. And Jackie Chan always has to play the martial arts dude. Yeah. And, like, he's got some great movies here in America. I would love to see some of the, the Chinese movies mm. that he's acted in over there maybe with some subtitles you know i can't speak mandarin it's very unfair in my opinion that actors get typecast you can see why sometimes with like oh he's a nerdy guy he looks like a nerdy guy yeah. well when you look like michael so what are you supposed to do i don't know 
But, like, Jackie Chan, the only thing that's defining him to be the martial arts guy is, one, he knows martial arts, and two, his race. Yeah. So, hopefully Jackie Chan can come back to the States. Uh, I like Jackie Chan. I think he's a, a funny dude, also. So. I Honestly, they need to give him more serious roles. He can do yeah. more serious... He's just, like, the funny martial arts guy here in America. Our next fact is every scene in Pocahontas was rewritten at least 35 times. It's probably because uh, the guy who wrote all the journals about mm. meeting Pocahontas for the first time was John Smith. And uh, he really liked to bolster himself mm. up. And also, like, Pocahontas was, like, 13, yeah. 14 when she met John Smith. And John Smith was, like, 30s, 40s. So there really shouldn't be a love story there. And in the second Pocahontas movie, they rewrite it and John Rolfe comes and they go off. Yeah, despite the uh, historical inaccuracies of the movie, I think a lot of these rewrites probably had to do with Disney wanting to uh, not come off as racist. That probably as well, because they... <laughs> the last one that had uh, Native Americans in it was probably Peter Pan. I think that's right, and uh, that was not a good representation. No, so. and I, I think they wanted to, like, distance themselves from that. Yeah. Especially since Pocahontas is the main character. Yeah. I'm interested to see uh, in the future, maybe when we're, like, 40 or 50, right? Mm -hmm. And these movies that we grew up with are truly, like, old movies. Yes. If there's going to be disclaimers before them. For certain things I'm that, sure there that weren't seen as problematic. Um, I have to say, I kind of like Disney's new feature on Disney Plus. Instead of saying the disclaimer in the, um, like the description. description, there's like a 10, 15 second screen that pops up when you play a movie that says it. So you have yeah, to look like, at it. It's it's like, hey, this stuff is not cool anymore. Yeah. We don't believe this stuff anymore and we feel bad about what happened in the past. Mm. I think it's the right thing to do to keep um, the problematic scenes in, though. From I mean, like I a, mean it's better... It's, you don't want to just, like, wipe all that stuff away, because it's still, you know, cinematography. Yeah, I think it's important, historically, to be able to look back at these movies and see what they were like back then. And it, yeah, I guess, like, if Disney... Like, you race that five-second scene in Aristocats that's problematic they're kind of hiding their past, yeah. which would be a bad thing to do. So I think this disclaimer is the right thing to do to go about it. Though so. technically Disney did do... So you've heard about the Aladdin thing, right? What Aladdin thing? So you know the opening song in Aladdin? Yeah. The original version of that song had somewhat or very racist lines in it. I don't remember what mm. those lines were, but they were racist. And so they had released the movie, then they recalled the movie, changed it, and then put it back out. Yeah. Uh, and so there are people that actually have that version of the VHS tape. That's rough. It's like, hey, man, you got the racist cut of Aladdin? Yeah, man, I got the racist cut of Aladdin. You I mean, watch? you know, it's, it's an interesting time that we live in. Yeah. It's like the cut of cats where their feet don't touch the ground. <laughs> 
It's like, who, who, who some, released some this movie? Some theater has that. Yeah, who released it? And so they decided to, to fix that by putting shoes on the cat. Yeah, it's like, oh, God, now why? So, uh, I don't think we saw it with the, the foot version. We did not see the foot version. Uh, I'm glad movies can get patches now like video games. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else you want to say before we head on out of here? Just want to give a heads up that our Thanksgiving episode is live uh, as the time of the season nears in the United States for Thanksgiving. Be sure to check that out. And uh, our next-gen console episode is live where we have our special guest, Jamie, who's one of our good friends yeah, and who, patron. Who wrote the theme song that you're going to hear in this episode and all episodes going forward. Yes. You can check him out at the Twitter hashtag. I'm going to link in the description of this show and the description of the next-gen uh, console review episode. You can check his stuff out. Mm-hmm. And next week is going to be part two of our Disney animated film review. Then the week after that is going to be something that we sure. haven't, haven't thought about. Sure. And then the two weeks after that is our Christmas two-parter. The two weeks after that, not two weeks after that. Yeah, the two weeks after that is going to be our Christmas two-parter. Which, unlike this episode where we're going to record a second part, the Christmas episode we're going to record in one sitting, and then uh, we'll release it as two parts. So uh, we have like a Christmas break. Yeah. So... Uh, be sure to check those out. I feel like it's going to be a long episode anyway since we're going to cover 25 Christmas films and Christmas traditions and songs and stuff. So don't worry about it being short. Uh, and uh, after Thanksgiving, I will be posting pictures on Instagram of all of our holiday decorations. Yes, our Christmas village is going up uh, next weekend. Yes. So well, probably I'm like the day after Thanksgiving, I am going to start decorating... So it's going to be the Christmas village, the Christmas tree, the stockings, the Christmas lights. Yeah. I'm going to have so much fun. Yeah. And uh, we can start wrapping presents, whatever we've bought so far. We have to find keto present. Yes. I don't know how we're going to wrap a kitten, but we'll... <laughs> wrap a kitten. Uh, also, just reminder, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, especially about our opinions on these Disney films... You can leave those over at patreon.com slash nerds at odds if you join our community. Uh, there's also the Twitter. You know, yeah. you can tweet at us. Instagram. Leave it in the YouTube comments. If you're interested in the Twitch channel, I post our schedule of what we're streaming. Uh, I post it every Tuesday afternoon so you know what we're streaming for the next week. So you can check that out. I'm going to rope Courtney in on something, I swear. She will stream a game before... The week is out. Work's been hard. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe over the Thanksgiving break, we'll do a a Black Friday stream. A Black Friday stream. Yeah. We just go shopping and bring the camera with us. No, I thought I thought we liked argue about Tickle Me Elmo's and stream a video game. That sounds dumb. Sounds dumb. That sounds dumb. So anyway, guys, we'll see you next week for part two, Renaissance to present day. Yes. Uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. We'll see how uh, that goes. We got a lot of movies to watch. Yeah. Stop it! You're being weird. Okay. Bye, guys. Nerds at Odds is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon.com/NerdsAtOdds. If you want to become a member of our community and gain access to the show four days early, gain the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, and so much more, consider supporting us over there. Thank you, and have a great day. Hey everyone, I'm Alex. And I'm Courtney. And this is Nerds at Odds.
Nerds at Odds is your weekly podcast about all things in nerd culture and beyond. I'd like to remind everyone to please rate and review the podcast anywhere you listen. And if you want to check us out on Instagram and Twitter, we're at Nerds at Odds. And we also have a Twitch and YouTube channel you can check out. Both of those are also at Nerds at Odds. And if you want to get the show four days early, ad-free, and with the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, head on over to patreon.com slash Nerds at Odds. Now let's hop on into what we've been up to. Courtney, what have you been doing? I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla some more. You're about, what, 30 hours in or so? Yeah, about. What have you been doing recently in the game? I got into a committed relationship. Fun. With, I think her name is Petra. I believe so, yes. And she's a huntsman. Okay. And what you've been doing in the game, though, you've been doing all the side activities, clearing up the map in the starting location still. Yes, because I hate doing quests. (laughs) I only like to do the side quests, or I guess the mysteries at this point, and those sorts of things. Those are the fun things for me. The quests are, like, kind of boring. Well, uh, to be fair, you've set up your village, but you haven't done a single quest after that in the main story. It's like, go here and meet with this leader of this area. I've done some of that. I, I, I did the guy with the bear. Did him. But those are side quests. That's what I'm saying. Well, no, that wasn't a mystery. That mm. was just like, it was like, hey, it was like one of those letter things. It was like, hey, try and find this dude. He'll he'll be good if you can get him on our side sort of situation. Mm. But there's so much stuff to build in, in the village, and you need the materials to do so. And you have to raid to get those materials, but some of these places are way over my level, so I can't raid. So it's it's uh it's a little difficult. Yeah, you at might the moment. you might need to start doing those quests to get XP to level up to raid to continue building your village. I think you're quite you. <laughs> I get plenty of XP from doing mysteries and stuff. You're running out of those though. You're clearing out this area. Eventually. Well, I'll clear I'll clear it out, and then when I get finished, then I'll move on to something else. I can do a quest in between. So you still enjoying the game though? Yeah, I, every once in a while I'll get like. Maybe like a little motion sick mm. or something after playing for a good while, but most of the time I'm I'm fine. That's weird. Do you think it's better than Odyssey? No. No, you think Odyssey's a better game? I like I like the combat better in Odyssey. I like I like clearing the map better in Odyssey. Interesting. I'm not sure what you mean by that. I don't know. You don't know, <laughs> but you like clearing the map better. I feel like there's there's things just gameplay-wise mm. that I like better. Okay, I can get that. Well, maybe the next Assassin's Creed game will be made by the same studio who made Odyssey, so you can enjoy that. Who knows? Where do you see the setting for the next game taking place? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'd like them to do a serious one in, like, China or, or Japan, something along those lines, because they have the, like, the... The spin-off yeah. one that's only 2D, essentially. Yeah. And I don't think that's good enough. I think that China would be a cool entry. I mean, Ghost of Tsushima on PlayStation 4 and 5 is pretty much Assassin's Creed in Japan. So I feel like they would be competing with that if they made one in Japan. So China is an interesting... They could do China. They could do maybe some cool Russia stuff. Yeah. They could do 
Spain. Have they done Spain? I think no. they did Spain. They done Spain. They did Italy, right? They've done Italy. Yeah, Ezio's in Italy in the Renaissance, and then Unity's in the French Revolution, and Syndicate's in Industrial Revolution England. But they haven't done Spain. Um, I'm not sure when they would set it. They could set it back in like medieval times where the Spain was conquered by the Muslims. That could be an interesting time period sure. to set it. Sure. Or if they set it, I don't know if they would go into the 1900s with it and set it during the Spanish Civil War. That might be a bit too modern for them. But we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. And I've been playing more Destiny 2 Beyond Light, which is, I think, the most fun Destiny has ever been. I think you should definitely jump into it. Most of the same things I said last week apply to, to today. Um, still getting them quests, getting that XP. Fun times. Sure. And I tried out Amazon Luna uh, today, and I've been trying to try it out for the past few days, but Amazon's site is not being responsive enough to check it out. I think I'm going to blame Black Friday for that. Luna's another streaming service like Google Stadia. Though the pricing models are the difference here. Google Stadia, you pay monthly to access like the 4K 60 frame streaming options. And you get some games, like a dozen or so for free with the subscription. Mm -hmm. But then you buy each game for full price after that, right? Yes. Which doesn't seem like a great model because if Google ever shuts Stadia down, you can't get those games you brought, you know? Yes. And Amazon's model is what's interesting about Luna because you pay five ninety nine a month and then you get this much larger selection of games like a Netflix series. And then other developers have their own channels. Like Ubisoft has a channel where you pay monthly, but you get all their games, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting model. I think Ubisoft's price is fourteen ninety nine a month, which is too much, I believe, for a channel. I think each channel should probably be about the same, five ninety nine or so. Though... We have good internet as opposed to the vast majority of people in this country, in the United States, and especially around the world. Mm -hmm. And these streaming services don't work well for us still. It's too laggy to play on. Stadia doesn't work. Luna doesn't work well enough to play. PlayStation Now doesn't work well enough to play. So we've been watching some Disney films in preparation for this episode. Mm -hmm. The only other thing I could think of that we've done that's noteworthy is we've been watching Weakest Link on Hulu. Yes. Uh, the remake with Jane Lynch. Yes. I think there are 10 episodes in right now. It's in its first season. I she, really enjoy Jane it. Jane Lynch is great. She She definitely portrays that character very yeah. well. I don't think she's that mean in real life yeah i think it's i mean she's acting yes. like that but she definitely plays that character very well and we have been competitive mm -hmm. and we are tied right now yeah for who's done the best yeah we only do like the last round and we both keep track of how, how, many, yeah. how many uh questions we get right and i trashed you one day yeah three to six three I to believe, six yeah. but we all tied we've watched Seven, eight episodes now? Yeah. We haven't watched all that's out, but... So that's what we've been doing. And now let's talk about the latest episode of Mandalorian before we get on into the topic. Uh, Spoiler-free, we're going to do a spoiler review of all the episodes once the season ends in about a month. Check back for that if you're interested in that. But episode five, season two, 
we finally meet the person that I've been waiting this whole season to meet. Uh-huh. And I feel like it was very much worth it. I thought that episode was kind of anticlimactic. Well, I think it's like we get there, we meet the person, and then they're like, "Can't do it." I think the problem. I agree that in a way it is kind of anticlimactic. Though so they mention someone that uh, is, it might be like a the big bad guy, you know. Yeah, but most people don't even know who that is. Yeah, to be that's that is fair. Though I feel like you should watch Rebels because it's a great show. But um, people, but but it's just like. Oh, where's this person? And I'm like, I don't know who that is. And if you didn't tell me, yeah. I wouldn't have known. Though I, I feel like it's anticlimactic because he doesn't, nothing changes about the relationship between him and the child, right? Uh huh. And I think that's probably because the show doesn't want it to become about this person and stay with the Mandalorian, you know? I was really hoping that we would get more information about that surprise character we saw in the first episode at yeah. the very end. Who hasn't come back we yet. We haven't seen anything yet. What's going on? Do you think uh, that person's going to actually show back up? They got to. It was such a cliffhanger part. Yeah, I feel like it is. Well, to be honest, so the cliffhanger at the end of season one with the guy, you know, with the weapon he has. Yeah. They haven't touched on that yet. They kind of have. That's like they've the, talked about him. Yeah, they've shown a little scene of him, and there's been some mention of him, right? Yeah. But that was like the climax of last season. Well, right? he's the big bad guy, clearly. I don't think so. Not after this episode. Well, I don't know what the other guy does, so it doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. The point is, I'm not that crazy of a Star Wars fan. I don't know who this is. It means nothing to me. They're just mention some dude's name, and it, it means nothing to me. Yeah. So, so last thing on this, I feel like it has the potential to be super exciting, but I feel like if they actually do end up going that way, it is going to lose focus of the Mandalorian and the child. So I don't know if they're going to take this super exciting route because they want to focus on those characters, right? I suppose. If you like listening to podcasts about things in nerd culture, you might enjoy listening to audiobooks that can transport you away on grand adventures to exciting worlds, all while you go about your daily tasks like driving, cooking, and cleaning. Audible is the perfect place for you to find the epic tales, and right now, all listeners can get a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash nerdsatodds. I'm currently listening to Dune by Frank Herbert in preparation for the movie that comes out later this year, and it has really helped me fight the boredom induced by this pandemic. Audible has thousands of audiobooks available, and the best part is that with your free 30-day trial, you can download and listen to them all for free. So go to audible.com slash nerds to get listening today. So into the topic of the show, Disney Animated Film Review Part 2. Yes. Last episode was part one. We did the gold, silver, and bronze age. This episode, part two, renaissance to today. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of this, where we talk about these movies, I'm going to give my official list of all 46 movies we watched and reviewed in order from worst to best. Worst to best? Yes. Okay. So, you want to introduce the first movie? We're going to start with the renaissance era. Kicking off the Renaissance era, 1989's The Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid, I thought, was very good. 
I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, but once we started watching it, hearing the songs that are in it, uh, I remember a lot of them more than I thought I did. I thought the songs were the most captivating part of the movie, however. Ursula's an interesting villain. I love Ursula. But I feel like there were some parts I was just like, eh, you know, whatever. I didn't really connect with Ariel's drama. Well, that's because I, you're a, a boy. Yeah. I gave Little Mermaid an excellent, and out of the 27 films from the Renaissance to today that we're ranking, I gave it its the sixth best film we watched for this part. Okay. Next, we got Beauty and the Be- Beast from 1991. Beauty and the Beast, I liked a lot as well. The songs were good. I think Little Mermaid songs were better. And I felt like Beauty and the Beast perhaps might be a bit more on the romance, love storyline. Something that I connect with less than some of these other films. Though I think for that reason, uh, it hurts the movie for me a little bit. I still think it's entertaining because the songs are really well done. And uh, I think it's the 12th best film out of these 27 for this part. How dare you? Uh, yeah, I think that when we listen, get... listen, my nostalgia factor plays in highly with Beauty and the Beast. I connect so much with the character. I love Belle. I love the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I realize that you're not going to be the same as me, but how dare you put it at 12? Well, I think you just have to take into account the 11 films that are going to come above it. So, mm, no, no, no. Okay. All right. 1992 Aladdin. Aladdin. This is the second time I've watched Aladdin as an adult. I watched it for a... You took a class, right? Yeah, I forget what the class was. It might have been medieval history, though. I don't know why we would have watched it, but I think that was the class I watched in in college. So, I've watched this twice as an adult, once for this list, once back in that class. Watching this movie made me realize, like some of the other films that have live-action remakes did, Watching this movie made me realize how bad that live-action remake actually was. Because Aladdin is so great. The songs are great. I like the story. Jasmine is so much more... I, f- I feel like she's so much more like headstrong in the animated version than she is in the live-action version. Yeah, I could feel that. I-, I think the worst part, and this is one that you can't really hold against the live-action film... Mm-hmm. But I think it's something that boosts the animated film. Is that Robin Williams as the genie is so much better than Will Smith's version. Well, Not because Will Smith is bad, but because Robin Williams does such a great job. Robin Williams does a great job. I can't. I don't think you can hold it against the remake that Will Smith is not Robin Williams because no one will be Robin yeah. Williams. No, he didn't try to like redo the genie he didn't try to be robin williams genie he wanted to be his own genie Mm. and they're clearly different characters in my mind yeah and that's something we can talk about more when we do our live action film review but i think robin williams performance as the genie helps aladdin be an excellent film and it is the number two film out of these 27 sure next we got the lion king 1994 the lion king I think it is safe to say, and I think this is far and away the best Disney animated movie. Nostalgia plays in a lot here for Alex. Perhaps. I mean, again, I don't... I think Lion King is so... It's such in the zeitgeist of the culture 
that regardless of when you watch the film, you know Lion King. You know everything about the Lion King. I don't remember when I watched this film. And I don't remember... I haven't watched this film for probably 10, 15 years now. You know, until this one viewing. And I didn't remember watching it. I can't tell you when the last time I watched this film is. But I think that just knowing everything about it because it's such a cultural, impactful movie makes it hard to not enjoy elements of it. Though I feel like there's a lot of things going for Lion King that most of these movies don't have. One, it has the best songs, in my opinion. Elton John is one of the greatest musicians of all time when it comes to songwriting. And somehow he gave some of the best songs he's ever written to this movie. I, I, don't, I don't think you should say that. In my opinion, I love Elton John. I think if you were to make a list of like his top 10 best songs, a couple from Lion King are going to be in there. I mean, obviously, Can You Feel the Love Tonight is a great song. Yeah. I, I, I do love this movie. Mm-hmm. However, I don't love it as much as you do. And I think another thing that helps it for me is that the story is so epic, right? And we researched this, and apparently it is not a adaptation of Hamlet. It's its own story. And I mean, it's it's influenced by Hamlet and, like, a, a Bible story and something else, I think. But it is its own thing. Yeah, it's considered Disney's first original movie. Yes. And going forward still, I think that it is one of Disney's few original movies. That helps it out a lot when it comes to Disney animated films. It's not an adaptation of something. So I think the songs... The impact and the story help it make be the best Disney movie. It's number one out of these 27. Next, we've got Pocahontas 1995. Pocahontas is kind of boring, honestly. I understand how why they changed the story from being historical to what it is now. I don't know. I just I, I didn't enjoy it that much. It's one of those films you're watching it and I'm like, I'm having fun. The songs are good. Wow, we've only watched forty minutes of this movie. Okay, let's get let's get through it again. I felt like it dragged in some parts. Uh, I gave it an entertaining because I did like the songs and parts of the story were there for me. Um, it's the seventeenth out of these twenty-seven for me. Okay, I like Pocahontas, but sure. Next, we've got the Hunchback of Notre Dame, nineteen ninety-six. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I'm not a fan. Of the story. I'm really not a fan of the songs. Because they do the thing I hate. Where most of the songs are just them. Singing lines they are saying. Not really singing. song. You know they, they're trying to say a line. And they sing it instead. Kind of like. I don't know an opera musical type deal. Sure. It, it's, it's off putting. I hate it when that happens. So the songs aren't good. And that wouldn't be a real problem if the movie wasn't a musical, but like all the movies in the Renaissance era, it is a musical. So that hurts it a lot. I don't really like the story. I don't know. It's it's entertaining, but barely so, I suppose. So uh, it's the 24th out of these 27. Okay. How dare you? <laughs> Hellfire's great. I will say The Hunchback of Notre Dame is really upsetting to me. Because you watch the movie and you just want Quasimodo to have a happy ending. Mm. And 
Esmeralda goes with Phoebus yeah. instead, and you're just like, how dare you, Esmeralda? <laughs> how dare you? It, you know, I think it should go higher, personally, because I love Esmeralda. I love Quasimodo. I love the the villain, which is... Kyrie something? His name is not Kyrie. It's not Kyrie? No, Kyrie is the female protagonist from, uh, from what uh, Kingdom Hearts. Oh, his name is like Frollo. Frollo. Yeah, Frollo's his Frollo. name. I don't know why. I, got Ky- I don't know why I got Kyrie from. But sure, um, it this is your your list. Yeah, uh, people don't get mad at me. <laughs> okay, this is his list. All right, next we have Hercules, nineteen ninety seven. Hercules, I think, is an entertaining story. Though the thing that hurts it the most is that I hate every song in this movie. How dare you? I don't like. I don't think any of them are good songs. That the it's kind of like Hercules' songs. I think are a lot like the songs in Phantom of the Opera in a way, where they're not really songs. They're just them singing some verses. You know, no. I, I, I don't. I don't like the songs in Hercules much. The, the only one I like you? that I can think of off the top of my head is the Fate song. What, what, which one? All, all the fates sing all mm-hmm. of the songs. I'd have to, I'd have to look through a playlist. Is it the one like I won't say I'm in love? That nah, one's great. Nah, Is like it the, one. the who puts the glad in gladiator Hercules? Yeah, I think that one. Is that the one where they're singing about like his merch and stuff? When he's yeah, like, yeah, I like that one. That's the one I like. That one's great. I love the I won't say I'm in love. Fantastic. I sing that one frequently. There's just so many good songs. How dare yeah, I don't you? like any of the songs in this or movie. Or like uh, the Find Where I Belong. I don't know. The, the Belong, I think, is what it's called. Love it. But I, I think what happens in the movie is entertaining. Just the, the songs hurt it. It's an entertaining film. It's number nine for me. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with him. I'll wait till you get to some of my post-Renaissance listen, opinions. Listen, th- there is some bad opinions here, <laughs> in my opinion. So, we'll we'll see. If you guys agree with him, good on you. Congrats if- for being correct. How dare you. <laughs> All right. Now we have Mulan, 1998. Mulan is an excellent film. And it really does show how bad that live-action remake was. Mm-hmm. Mulan has great songs. Yes. It has a great story. Yes. It has characters I like. Yes. And that's the trifecta for a great Disney film. Uh, I put it at number five just because I feel like the four films above it have some better songs and moments. But Mulan is an excellent film. It's one of Disney's greatest movies. He's like hedging all of this on the songs, guys. I'm not really because you'll see when I get down to uh, what my third film is. There's no songs in it. So whatever but you 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 lean heavily on songs if it's like a musical Mm -hmm. sort of thing uh and i think your opinions are wrong next we have tarzan 1999 tarzan is another excellent film they they lost the way maybe in the middle of this renaissance as opposed to the films that came before and last like pocahontas hunchback hercules or like entertaining average movies but mulan and tarzan close out the renaissance amazingly tarzan 
I think has better songs than Mulan, and that might just come from Phil Collins writing those songs. Sure. And much like Elton John, Phil Collins has wrote s- some amazing songs. But if you're going to take a top ten list of Phil Collins songs, some of these Tarzan songs are going to be in there. And those two artists gave such wonderful performances to these animated films that they did not need to give that much effort to. But they decided to, and I respect them for that. Sure. Tarzan has an amazing story. It has one of my favorite moments in maybe movie uh, histories when Tarzan falls down the pit with that jaguar. And like the jaguar comes up first, but it's him lifting it. I love that moment. The songs are great. It's my fourth favorite out of these 27 movies. Okay. Now, that is the end of the Renaissance yes. era. Now we're going to get into the post-Renaissance era. Well, real, real quick before we do that. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Best of the era's Lion King. I think, obviously. You know, uh-huh. we all agree. Greatest movie. Animated movie ever made. Next, uh, the worst of the era is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. How dare you? Well, what, what would you... Out of these, what's your worst of the era? Of the era? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It's than it looks, huh? No comment. This isn't about me. Courtney <laughs> agrees with Hunchback as the worst of the era no. is what I'm hearing. No, I just can't decide. <laughs> I love them all. Okay, post-Renaissance now. Okay, post-Renaissance era. You got some hits. You got some definite misses in this era. Oh, you got some misses. I tell you what. Okay, it's it's like they were trying to find their footing, trying to go from two D to three D, and like to learn to use that well. I don't understand how that made them have worse story writing as well in some of these, but I guess it did. I don't know. They used too much of their budget. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> All right, we're gonna start things off. With 2000's Dinosaur. Dinosaur, surprisingly, once you get past the horrid look of this film from the dated CGI. The worst part is it looks like they're using, I'm pretty sure they're using like real backgrounds. Real backgrounds. And then... CGI characters. Like plastic looking dinosaurs. And the poor lemurs, man, they look awful. Yeah, the characters look awful and it is made worse by them using real backgrounds in a lot of shots. Especially when it's like lush. Yeah. You know? Did you have those hand things with the dinosaur's face on them back when you were a kid that you moved with? Yeah. The quality of those hand things is like the quality of these character models. They look about the same. Yeah, if you filmed a movie where you just saw that hand thing talking, right, against a real background, and that was like the character talking, that looks about as bad as this movie actually looks. It's really dated. It's hard to watch now. Though we read IMDb and Rotten Tomato reviews from the time. Oh, people thought the animation was fantastic. Yeah, 20 years ago. I'm like, what are you seeing? (laughs) It's somebody was like, this will never look bad in one of their reviews. And I'm like, dude, this probably looked bad the next year. <laughs> this is like, this looks worse than the prequels. Like, this is hard. Um, I don't think it looks worse than the prequels. <laughs> it definitely does not look worse than the prequels. It's hard to watch at times. Yeah. But it's I, still I think, not that bad. I have to give Dinosaur some credit, though. Once you get past how hard it looks, I thought the story was pretty good. I guess story's a little lacking. In my opinion. I gave it an average. It's just like these these dinosaurs are are being mean for no reason. Yeah. Like the herbivores. Mm-hmm. Not the not the 
what what were it's they? It's not called? the T Rexes. They're the uh. They're, they're like carno carna carnotaurs. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the name of them. Like the carnotaurs, whatever. I guess because they eat meat, they're bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the leader herbivores, yeah, whatever their names were, they're just like mean for the sake of being mean Mm -hmm. and they won't listen to anybody and then like the guy the main dinosaur does something good and they're like well get out of the way yeah i I think the story is much better than the animation right and i guess i was just surprised but i think it's an average film once you get past the visuals i think it's worth your time to watch story-wise uh it's 25th out of 27 okay Next, we have another one from 2000, mm-hmm. Emperor's New Groove, opposite end of the spectrum. Well, this is 2D. This is 2D. So they, I, mean, I think they might have had just two teams making two films. Uh, sure. I feel like they're worse, you know, because they've been throwing in a little bit of those, like, CG shots. Yeah. Little and, Mermaid was the first Disney movie to use Pixel as CGI technology. Yeah. And, and so you can they, see it in that stair scene. They, like, throw it in. Every once in a while with some of these movies. I think Emperor's New Groove, they throw it in a little bit. Yeah, I think Emperor's New Groove is very fun to watch. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't think it's an excellent movie. It's not, you know, Oscar worthy over here like some of these other Disney animated films could be with its content. But it's so funny. It's a, it's so funny. Kronk is so good. And I love him in every every movie he's in. Is he the, doing his own theme music? Yeah. The voice actor. Every movie he's in, he's great. Oh, yeah. Uh, Emperor's New Groove is great. I like the show, too. Or at least I remember liking the show as a kid. Emperor's New School. Uh, I really liked that show as a kid. Uh, Kronk's New Groove, right? It's the name of the sequel. Yes. We have to watch that whenever we do a sequel movie review episode. Are we going to do only the first sequel? Or are we going to do all the sequels? Depending on how many, we might do all of them. Because, like... Cinderella has like two sequels. Yeah. Both of them are bad. Yeah. <laughs> the Rescuers has a sequel. It's all right. Yeah. So, Empire's uh, New Groove, I gave an entertaining two. It's seventh out of these 27 films. For okay. Me. Next, we have Atlantis from 2001. Atlantis is really good. It actually hurt me to put it as low as I did on the list, but I guess that's just a shout out to the quality of the films above it. And I feel like the last 20 minutes or so of the film kind of drag along for a bit. I think you could have cut out 15, 20 minutes of this movie. Well, the fighting? Maybe. I guess that's what it's at the end. I just... I just Where they're in the volcano. Yeah, I just, I just get... At the end of the film, I felt like it was going on for a bit long. Maybe you should have cut out some in the beginning. I don't know. Listen, I don't care. Kida is one of my favorite Disney princesses. She's snubbed. She's not technically a Disney princess, but she is technically I mean, she, she she meets all the criteria except for the film doing well yeah the money the yeah. money i like atlantis atlantis is an entertaining film i'd watch it you Listen, know at least once a year how dare you put this movie so low when our lovely cat <laughs> is named after one of the main characters yeah uh, it's 18th out of the 27 films rude next we have lilo and stitch from 2002 Lilo and Stitch is a very fun movie. I think it's an entertaining film. That's why I'm going to give it on the patent. It knows that I was rating scale. Oh, God. And uh, it's 19th out of 27. And I think I put it there just because it feels very un-Disney. And it's a Disney animated films review. 
It's, I mean, it doesn't feel like Disney, but does do like Zootopia feel like yeah. Disney? No, it doesn't. Yeah. It feels like Pixar. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe we can have this argument when we get to the revival, because I think every revival film feels like Pixar. Maybe. But I, th- I think Lilo and Stitch is very action-packed, right? Uh-huh. And uh, the space aliens. It, I, listen, it's a weird Disney movie. Yeah, but, I it's mean, very entertaining. But, I mean, so is Chicken Little. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about Chicken Little when we get to Chicken <laughs> Little. Uh, Lilo and Stitch is very entertaining. I put it at 19th. But I, I really love Lilo and Stitch, the brand as well. Everything, the other movies, the show, all that. I love that as a kid. There, yeah, I think there's two Lilo and Stitch yeah. movies. And I think to watch those, we might need to watch the show some. Yeah. Uh, but I do really like it. Uh, you should watch Lilo and Stitch if you haven't. It's entertaining. But I did put it at 19th on this list. All right. Treasure Planet from 2002. This might be some nostalgia talking. But Treasure Planet is a great movie. I love Treasure Planet. I think it's one of the one of the great post Renaissance movies that Disney has. Yeah. One of the great two D that it has. Yeah. I think Treasure Planet did poorly because it's two D from what we've read. Yeah. People it's were like, like, Oh, let's watch three D. Two D's old, you know. Yeah, it it's a shame. And it you can see it affecting some of the other movies on this list yeah. when they were also two D. But I love Treasure Planet. I wa- I loved watching it. I love the cat captain mm-hmm. and the dog yeah uh, scientist dude and it's somehow ba- it's based on treasure island yes but somehow it's it's so unique with all how they adapt that to this out of space version of the movie i think it's very unique all the character designs the ships and all that yes i really like it for that as well and i think it's a great story i mean it's based off treasure island so i mean obviously it's going to be a good story you know People know that story. It's a classic, and I just think it's unique how they adapted it. It's a really well done movie. Y'all should watch it if you haven't already. Next, we have Bro- uh, it's entertaining, uh, and it's eighth out of twenty seven. Okay. Next, we have Brother Bear from two thousand and three. You'd never seen this movie, no, right? I'd not seen it. Well, what'd you think? Disney. Let me holler at you real quick, Disney. Listen up. Who decided to put the first 30 minutes of this movie on what appears to be an airline TV screen that takes up a quarter of the screen? Who decided this? Why? Why? You you guys need to fix this immediately. It It was was done on purpose because that's how they did it in theaters. Once he becomes the bear... Then it gets larger. Yeah, that that's dumb. Listen, Disney. I hope that guy's fired. Okay, I hope you fire that guy. That it's came supposed up that decision. to be like, oh, his eyes are opening to a different world. I understand and why. I think, and I think it's so they can do like when they do the flashbacks. Yeah. That like clearly he's focused on the bear, mm-hmm. but if he like opened up his vision more, he would have seen seen the cub. I get, I get it. I get the idea. I hate it. Okay, it did take away from the movie. I think it's fine. Listen, it's interesting. Plenty of movies do stuff like that. You see it all the time in theaters. I I didn't like it. Anyways, that's not the biggest problem. I think Brother Bear is a conflicting movie for me. Maybe the most conflicting movie out of all of these for me. Because I really love the message that it's sending. Yes. Um, I don't really care about messages in movies uh, when they're supposed to be fun. I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really care what Emperor's New Groove is trying to tell me. But Brother Bear's not a fun movie. 
It's uh, it's one that's there for the message. I really liked it, but I thought it was boring. It is a fun movie. No, I thought it was boring at parts. Rick Moranis is in it. He's great. Yeah, yeah. It tries to be fun. I thought the mo- the moose with Rick Moranis were dumb humor. It's like it's lowbrow humor that this. I love them. I did. I th- I thought it was a little lowbrow for this movie. I love I love lowbrow humor when it's appropriate, but this movie has a serious message that's trying to get across, and I thought the humor was a little misplaced. Um, I thought it was maybe an average film with an excellent message. I gave it an entertaining, but it is twenty third on this list out of these twenty seven. Okay. Next, we have Home on the Range, two thousand and four. Disney, let me holler at you, Disney. Who greenlit the mo- the next two movies on this list? Who greenlit these things? Listen, Home on the Range. I give it a mediocre because, like I said, I like lowbrow humor. Yes. And this is a dumb movie where lowbrow humor helps it a little bit be entertaining. Because you could, I, this was one that I saw Courtney probably about falling asleep trying to watch. This isn't a great movie, but it got some chuckles out of me for how dumb it was at points. I was I was sitting there watching. I'm like, ugh. That dumb joke, and Alex is sitting over like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I, th- I thought they worked in this movie. Uh, I gave it a mediocre. It was like, oh, the cow, that one cow, she can't, she doesn't follow under the yodeling spell because she's tone deaf. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst part of that sentence you just said. The dumbest part of that sentence is that she's tone deaf, not that the plot of this movie is a yodeling spell. <laughs> And then, like, the dude, that dude that was sitting on the couch blocking with his head a piece on the map, and it just happens to be yeah. the exact shape yeah. as his head. This movie's really dumb. I don't think I'd watch it again. And, no! And, like, nothing happens for a while, and they introduce my favorite character with 15 minutes left, that jackrabbit. Mm-hmm. It's mediocre. It's the 26th out of these 27. Okay. Next, we have Chicken Little from 2005. Oh, Jesus. All right, Chicken Little. They spent all the budget on the music. Yeah, this, this is, listen, Disney got Elton John to write all the great songs in Lion King for that movie. He wrote those songs for that movie. They got Phil Collins to write all the great songs in Tarzan for that movie. Disney somehow forgot in the six years between Tarzan and Chicken Little that you can hire great musicians to make great songs that fit your movie. They decided to go out and buy a soundtrack for Chicken Little. Just pick and choose whatever songs you want, really. Because they don't really fit the moments they're in half the time. No, it's like, oh, it, well, they're playing karaoke. <laughs> Let's put in the, the what is it, song? Oh, oh, uh, Won't Go Breaking Your Heart. No. No, 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 Um, If You Want to Be My Lover. Yeah. Yeah. They put that in. It's real weird for, like, maybe a 10-year-old animal creature I, mean, I thought they were high schoolers i don't know they could, I, I they're probably middle schoolers let's be honest well yeah i don't know um they're uh, singing this and it's real weird yeah and then and then uh, my the worst part for me is the pig right whatever yeah. his name is runt he sings two songs two different songs about surviving he sings staying alive mm-hmm. you know he wants to stay alive in this alien ship yeah. and then he's singing i will survive because he wants to survive these songs don't really fit the scenes. The titles kind of fit what's going on in the movie, I guess, at the time. But they're not really well used. 
I don't like the soundtrack to this film. I thought they were trying to buy themselves a bango of a soundtrack and failed. The animation is ugly. The first 15 minutes of Chicken Little should have been the movie. Because they could have made it a decent movie. You know, he doesn't fit in. He wants to play baseball to fit in. He, you know, some of these, you know, high school drama movie where, you know, he, he learns that he doesn't need to do these things to fit in, right? That should have been the movie. The aliens are dumb. I hate them. Though, it, that's the cutest part. Yeah, the, so, the two best characters in the movie don't actually speak. <laughs> the, the fish? The fish. And the who, baby alien. Whose name is Fish Out of Water. Yeah. And then the baby alien, I don't know if it had a name. I, I don't know. Either I am going to come out and say it. This is 27 out of these 27. This is also 46 out of 46. This is the worst Disney animated film ever made. It is awful. It's god awful. It's really bad. Next, we have Meet the Robinsons from 2007. You'd never seen it before, right? Uh, I, no, I had seen this one. You had before. seen this Somewhere one? in my childhood, I remember seeing it because I remember the caffeine patch oh, lady. Yes, yes. And I remember the story. Uh, every element of the story I remembered somehow. But I really like the message of this movie as well, right? I, I connected with um, Lewis and I, I liked the movie. Uh, I don't think it's a Oscar like quality film, right? But it's got some great memeable moments. Yeah, it is, it is a it's funny and it's uplifting, heartwarming, right? Mm. I gave it an excellent, but it's an excellent because I really enjoyed it. It's not an excellent because it's a well-made movie. I don't think it looks great. Uh, it looks much better than Chicken Little, but I feel like it doesn't look great. I don't like the characters, models that much. They're very smooth. Yeah, but I gave it an excellent. But it's an excellent that's 16th out of 27 on this list. I think I think the message of this movie is like it doesn't matter who your family is, you can choose your family. Yeah. You know, people are like, "Oh, you can't choose your family." You can't. You can decide not to associate with people anymore. I mean, I love my family, but you can also like choose like your your friends become your family. Mm. Your your significant other and maybe their family becomes your family. And I, I also guess, like, is Lewis is trying to find a place where he belongs in a way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he ends up creating a place where he can belong, you know? Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's 16th, but I do think it's an excellent film for me at least. All right, next we have Bolt from 2008. Uh, I think Bolt's a step back in quality from Meet the Robinsons. It's closer to this Home on the Range side, though I felt like I liked the characters in Bolt a lot more. I like the cat and the hamster. Uh huh. I like them a lot more. Um, it's not as dumb as Home on the Range. I thought it was entertaining to watch. Mm -hmm. But it's 21 out of 27. How dare you put this movie above Hunchback of Notre Dame? This movie's more entertaining than Hunchback of Notre Dame. How dare you? Hunchback of Notre Dame is not as a fun watch as this movie. I can't believe you've done this to me. Is this the first one I've put above Hunchback that you don't agree with? Maybe. The only other one so far that I've put above Hunchback is, well, the bear in this. Well, I mean, a lot in this list. Yeah, well, Brother Bear, like, I could see it. And, like, some, some you know. Yeah. I like a lot of these movies. 
But how dare you? <laughs> Next, we have uh, Princess and the Frog from mm-hmm. 2009. It's the last post-Renaissance movie and the last 2D Disney movie to be made. Yes. I like Princess and the Frog. I like the New Orleans vibe. Vibe. I like the characters. Uh, the villain. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, Dr. Felicier. Yeah, something like that. Great guy. Like great, not great guy, not a great guy. Great villain. He's a great villain. You know, top top notch character. Great guy, no humanitarian. <laughs> no, uh, he's a great villain. I like the main character a lot. I feel like this movie needs to get more love than it does. Uh, than it does. It needs to get more love than it does. Well, I feel like a a thing that hurts this movie for a lot of like maybe critics mm-hmm. and people is that like it's mainly starring a like colored cast. Mm. And it's, like, the first time Disney really did that. Yeah. You know? Like, Pocahontas, sure, but you still have, like, John Smith, and he's mm. kind of a protagonist. First all-colored cast is Lilo and Stitch. Or Brother Bear. Yeah, but people didn't like those. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I think Princess and the Frog, for me, what hurts it is it does do songs. And I don't think they're that memorable. How dare you? My favorite song is the one the oh, the voodoo woman does. You gotta dig a little deeper. Yeah, that one's pretty good. What about I Got Friends on the Other Side that Dr. Felicier sings? You've got the song, uh, like the... Where, where Ray is singing to the star that he thinks is a firefly. And he's like, my dear Evangeline. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know, I feel like maybe it's, it drags a little bit in some places, you know, Disney's not at the top of the game post-Renaissance. I feel like if this movie was made in the 90s with that crew, it would have been a much better movie. I don't know. I still think it's I entertaining. I love Princess and the Frog, and I hate that people are like, it's 2D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Princess and the Frog is entertaining, and uh, I put it 20th out of these 27. What's the crocodile's name again? And I don't remember. I don't remember his name. Listen. I love this movie. I love Ray. I love Tiana. I love the man. I forget his name. That dude. That that prince. They're <laughs> all interchangeable. Uh, <laughs> they don't matter. Next we have... No, that's it for oh, the post-Renaissance. That's, that's the end for the post-Renaissance. Best of era, Emperor's New Groove. Worst of era, Chicken Little. Do you agree with any of that? Sure. Sure? Sure. You're not going to argue worst of air is anything other than Chicken Little, are you? No. No? Nope. No. Best of air, you might argue a little bit? Perhaps. You give it a dinosaur? No. No. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of the post-Renaissance mm-hmm. era. Nerds at Odds is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon.com slash Nerds at Odds. If you want to become a member of our community and gain access to the show four days early, gain the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, and so much more, Consider supporting us over there. Thank you. Now we have the last era that we are in currently. Yes. And that is the revival era. Yeah. I'm really interested to see when they decide to end, when when the end of the revival era mm-hmm. will be. And I, it's going to be like a downward spiral, spiral for Disney, I think. Because think so? like, revival means like renewal. Yeah. And these are good movies. I think we need to have a discussion up top about something you brought you talked about earlier that thinking about it and this is the first time i've ever thought about it 
these movies uh-huh. are heavily influenced by Pixar. Yes. These are not, like, none of these are classic Disney movies. The last classic Disney movie, I think, is Princess and the Frog. Like, post-Renaissance, I think, is the time where Disney's, like, classic Disney, heavily Pixar-influenced. You know, like, back and forth a little bit. Yeah. And now Revival, they're, like, all of these, heavily Pixar-influenced. Also, this is the longest we've went in modern history without a new Disney film. Like, Moana came out in 2016. The next original Disney animated film comes out in 2021. I just noticed the typo. Where? Oh, it's it's Mazna. Mazna. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the new movie Raya and the Land of the Dragons or something like that comes mm-hmm. out March of next year. Um, and it looks interesting. Allegedly. Allegedly. They might put it on Disney Plus. Who knows? They're putting the newest Soul, they're putting Soul the newest Pixar movie on Disney Plus for free on Christmas. So. Yeah, but like they're they're not putting up Black Widow. True, true. Uh we'll see if Ray is gonna be a revival movie or not. It's interesting to think about these as more Pixar than Disney movies. Yeah, well I mean some somewhere you're like, well it's a you know, it's a classic fairy tale. Yeah. Obviously Disney. Others who you're like, well, this is clearly like Pixar inspired. I think they'll lose. I think Disney loses something that makes them Disney when they don't hand draw their movies. Uh, maybe. Well, I mean, may- maybe it's not hand drawn today, but when it's not two D drawn on like a computer animated like that. I don't know. I th- I I love some of these movies. I, I think I do they're too. Great. So I think you're wrong, but there are ones where it's clearly Pixar inspired mm-hmm. heavily. And then there's the ones where it's like still, you know, the classic sort of get the fairy tale mm. going situation. So we're going to start with uh, Tangled, mm-hmm. 2010. Yep. I watched this movie first, not in theaters, but at a friend's house when we went to go do a school project and then we watched uh, Tangled. I like Tangled a lot. The characters are great. The horse and the chameleon. All my favorite parts of this movie. Yes. Uh, I think it's more Disney than Pixar because of the story. I guess it's a fairy tale. Yes. It's Rapunzel, right? I love the songs. Yes, it is Rapunzel. That is her name. Yeah. Her name is not Tangled. No. You sure? Frequently when when doing these movies, Alex will ask... So, so Tangled. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the... The princess, yeah. and he calls her Tangled, or something, or Brave, you know, instead of Merida. Yeah. I like the, the, the story is good. I, I like the villain, the the witch mother person. <laughs> so the characters... Mother Gothel. Yeah. The villain, the characters, the songs are pretty good. I think it's entertaining. It's the 14th out of 27 for me. I I think... Here's a reason why some of these feel a little Pixar-y, in my opinion, is Pixar does, like, the one-word titles, mm. and you can see that starting to happen a- more. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got Bolt, but, yeah. like, you've got Tangled, Brave, I mean, that's Pixar, mm. but uh, Frozen, Zootopia, mm. Moana, mm-hmm. it's like, you know. And the, the art style. The art style as well. They, they look closer to Pixar. I love Tangled. I love a lot of the songs. I love uh, Eugene, a.k.a. Flynn Rider. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's good, too. Um, And I, you know, 
being from a small town, never really going out much, you know, even at college, I, I didn't go out. Mm. Um, I, I, I feel for Rapunzel, you know? It's not like I was held captive in my home, but it's like, well, I, I guess I'll just read and watch TV and do a bunch of mm. random stuff. So, so next on the list is a Pixar film, but we included it because Meredith is a Disney princess. Merida. Merida. She's not Meredith. Merida. Merida. Is a Disney princess. Yes. That's why we included Brave. Yes. Brave, I thought was very predictable in where the story was going. Uh, I didn't like it too much. I think it's an average movie. It's 22nd out of 27 for me. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Well, when um, we do our Pixar movie rankings, it will probably be near the bottom. I like that they go to different. They're going to different places. You know, it's like, oh, we'll go to Scotland. Oh, we'll go to Norway with Frozen. Mm. Oh, we're gonna go to the like the Pacific Islands for Moana. Just keep that up. You know, I, it looks like the 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 new one coming out in China is in China or. Somewhere, somewhere around, there. around there. Yeah. Asian in some way. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen... I don't think we've seen a trailer for it. I think there is a trailer, but I haven't watched it. I haven't seen the trailer. What's wrong with no. me? The poster look... The dragon in the poster looks like one of those Chinese dragons that are in the street fair thing. Sure. Uh, I think. Um, I'm not an expert, but that's what I get the vibe from. Okay. You already gave its rating, right? Yeah. Okay. Next, we have Wreck-It Ralph from 2012. I saw this one on a school trip. I like Wreck-It Ralph a lot. Uh, I don't think it's a great movie. Like, it's not one of those Oscar movies, you know. Uh, I think there's some dumb humor in it. Yes. Um, but it works for the movie. And I like the story a lot. I like all the video games, obviously. I feel like uh, The video those. game references are fantastic. I love Vanellope Von Schweetz. Yeah. And uh, I give it an entertaining, and it's 11th out of 27 for me. Sure, sure. Next, we have Frozen from 2013. I think Frozen is a little overrated, honestly, with how much people seem to love it. I think it has uh, a lot of pop appeal, especially with Let It Go. And in Frozen 2, you can clearly see they tried to do that again uh, less successfully without, without other song in it. I feel like it has a good soundtrack and the story's kind of whatever. I think the soundtrack in Frozen 1 is better than the story and then the story in Frozen 2 is better than the soundtrack. Yes, but we can... lots, lots of people have that opinion. But I think I think Frozen's a average story with a great soundtrack and I do like the characters. Uh, I gave it an entertaining and it's 13th out of 27. Alright. Next we have a movie you'd never seen before nope. and you really didn't want to watch this movie. No. Big Hero 6. Okay, I didn't want to watch it because I, th I thought it was going to be sad. Uh, it's not that sad. Uh, yeah. It's sad in the beginning. Yeah, compa compared to other Disney films, it's not that sad. I was crying. You know, it's me. It's, a, it's based on a Marvel comic, which is interesting. Disney was like, we'll get Marvel. All right, <laughs> and now, let's go. Yeah. Uh, I... Thought it was an excellent film. I gave it an excellent. Uh, I think there's some parts that are maybe drag on a little bit, or maybe are just a little more heavy story wise. You know, yeah. like it's it's touching in a way that 
Fox and the Hound might be. You're like, I don't know if I want to sit through this, like, often, you know. Oh, I'd watch it again. But I thought I think it's an excellent movie. Uh, it's very well made. But I gave, I put it in 10th place out of 27 because it, it is a little heavy for me. I, I love that they even put in the Stan Lee cameo. I love mm-hmm. that it's such a good movie. I wish they would make a sequel. I know that there's the TV show, but I can't stand the art style. <laughs> it's problem for me. I know. I, I realize that they can't use the same uh, art or the, the same CGI yeah, and how great it looks yeah, it for like quality, a TV yeah. show. But, man... <laughs> It's, it's a joy. It's different. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, we have Zootopia from 2016. This one might be the one that people disagree with me the most about, I think, maybe. Zootopia is a great movie. It has one of the best stories in a Disney movie. It doesn't have songs. Like, it's not a musical. There is a song that um, Shakira's character, the Giselle, sings. Giselle, the dr- Try Try everything is what yeah is is the name of the song but it's not a musical really you know no. uh, it has a great story i didn't actually see the twist coming when i first saw it uh it was captivating that much it's not as predictable as like brave is i really like all the characters uh it's my third favorite film out of all these 27 it's an excellent movie i love nick yeah his favorite character i don't think i would have put it as high personally like it's a great movie and i love it but i don't think i would have put it as high personally mm. next we have uh mazna <laughs> we have moana from 2016 moana i think a fine movie um this is where the hate comes it, it's 15th out of 27 and i gave it an entertaining I think Moana shows that Lin-Manuel Miranda can write one song. How dare you? <laughs> With, you can, he's a great songwriter, and I love like the entire Hamilton soundtrack, and all the songs he writes are entertaining, but you can clearly tell who wrote it when he writes it. I think Moana, had, it might be one of those movies where the story is supposed to be meaningful, and the humor is dumb. Kind of like my Brother Bear situation. The, the chicken, the chicken dumb. is the chicken is so entertaining. The chicken, hey hey, is great. But he's he's an idiot. Love the actor. Yeah, Juilliard trained actor plays hey hey the chicken yes. in this movie, which is hilarious. He's like, I went to Al, Juilliard Al, for Alan, this. Alan Tudyk, ain't it? Alan Tudyk. Name? Great guy. He's the redhead in Knight's Tale. He's in Knight's Tale. He's in Firefly. Hmm. He's in a ton of stuff. Yeah, he's great. I think it's a good movie. And the song's all good. I was just joking about the Lemon Run Miranda. It doesn't hurt the movie. How dare you? But I, I do think maybe there's a an unevenness with like some of its humor in the story it's trying to tell. And I don't know if I really like The Rock's character. Uh, what are you talking about? I love I like the song. I like the song he sings, but I don't know if I, I, I like him as much as I like some other characters in some of these other movies. Well, he's a trickster. Yeah. He's, he's kind of... He's kind of like an anti-hero in some ways. Yeah, I suppose. Because he, 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 he sold the heart of Tafiti, and he wants to be the guy that, like, is the big man. Maybe, maybe it comes down to, and I'm going to get hate for this. I know I'm going to get hate for this. I don't see the appeal of The Rock as much as other people do. He's fine. 
but I don't I don't see the his appeal. You mean as an actor? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know why people are like man the rocks in this I gotta go see it. I don't know how. He's Listen, a, the rocks in everything. Yeah, I don't know how he's, he's in a, a lot of movie movies. Star. He, he's he's fine. I think he did a great job with this. It's so different from his other roles, in my opinion. He, either he plays like the stupid dumb guy, or like the big muscle dude action hero. I think I think what's his name in this movie? Maui. Maui. I think he's a st- stupid muscle dude. That's that's him in this movie. And I, I don't I don't really dig it. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's middle of the road out of these forty. How dare you? But you know, at, it's hard because I love so many Disney movies. Mm. That's why I'm not. I can't rank them. I can't put a rank on these movies. I just go. Why would you put it so low? But like, and I'm then you're sure like, oh, yep. That, if that I checks. were to like list it out, which I never would, because I that's, I don't think I should. You can compare movies that way. I would like put ties and uh. like be like, oh, well, this one's really good. I can't do that, especially like, these are so different. There's so many of these that are different, and and they all have their fantastic points. Well, I'll take that back. Okay, most of them okay. have fantastic okay. points, and I've I've got nostalgia tied to a lot of these. Other ones, I'm like, man, this is new, but I love it, and I connect with so many of these characters. It's just really hard for me to put labels on it of, well, this one's number one, this one's number two. Well, speaking of labels, best of the revival era is going to have to go to Zootopia, while worst of the revival era has to go to Bray. You didn't write that on here. I know. I, I forgot to type a lot of stuff on this one document. Okay. And you misspelled Milan. Yeah. yeah. Well, now I'm going to break out the master list. We're going to start from the back. I'm going to read them. This is the official Alex from Nerds at Odds list of the Disney animated films from 46 to 1. And I'm just going to let him talk. Have fun. 46. Chicken little 45 sword in the stone 44 dumbo 43 alice in wonderland 42 home on the range 41 snow white how dare you 40 jungle book 39 bambi how dare you 38 robin hood 37 black cauldron 36 dinosaur 35, Peter Pan, 34, Pinocchio, 33, The Great Mouse Detective, 32, 101 Dalmatians, 31, Hunchback of Notre Dame, 30, Brother Bear, 29, The Rescuers, 28, Sleeping Beauty, 27, Brave, 26, Bolt, 25, Princess and the Frog. How dare you? 24, Lilo and Stitch. 23, Atlantis. How dare you? 22, Pocahontas. 21, Cinderella. 20, Fox and the Hound. 19, Aristocats. 18, Meet the Robinsons. 17, Moana. 16, Tangled. 15, Frozen. 14, Beauty and the Beast. How dare you? 13, Wreck-It Ralph. 12, Big Hero 6. 11, Hercules. 10, Treasure Planet. 9, Lady and the Tramp. 8, Emperor's New Groove. 7, The Little Mermaid. How dare you? 6, Oliver and Company. 
5, Milan, 4, Tarzan, 3, Zootopia, 2, Aladdin, and number 1, Disney animated film, The Lion King. Was that was that good for you? Well, you heard what I had to say. I think we can both agree that the worst movie is Chicken Little. It's either Chicken Little or Sword in the Stone. Both are bad. And we're both going to agree that Lion King, top, top five. It's good movie. Top five. Again, not ranking. Yeah. I guess we'll have to come back and update this list uh, if Raya comes out in March. Sure. Well, uh, maybe we'll we'll post your master list. On Patreon. On Patreon. And then we'll be like, oh, well, we'll put this in here. Oh, you know, yeah. sort of thing. But yeah, you know, I can't wait to do the, the sequels one with you. That'll be fun to, to sit you through all here's those. A, here's a question. Do you think Chicken Little's going to be the worst after we put the sequel movies in here as well? That's a hard one. That's a hard one? You haven't seen Atlantis 2. Mm. Oh. Mm. Listen, the animation's bad for a lot of the sequels. They can't usually get the voice actors mm. back. It's just a bad time. Yeah, so we, we'll do that eventually. I mean, we have a Pixar animated films we have to do. We got Pixar, live action we Disney. Live action Disney. We got sequels. Yeah. We've got live action adaptations of uh, video, video game, game movies. movies. Yeah. So we have a lot planned. Uh, next week, though, we're going to do a According to BuzzFeed episode, a light episode between these two parters and the Christmas episode two parter that's going to come out the following week after that. Yes. Well, we're going to look up some interesting BuzzFeed quizzes and give them to each other. So that's going to be next week's episode. I already have some ideas. Yeah. I think well, maybe we should do like 10 each because sometimes the BuzzFeed quizzes are very short. Yeah, we'll see um, how many we can fit in. We'll go back and forth until we hit like an hour. And then yeah. we'll be like, okay, that's where we're going to stop this one. So that should be fun, and the Christmas episodes are definitely going to be worth listening to because we're going to go through the movies that's up on Patreon. You can see the list over there, our songs, what we like to eat, our favorite gifts. It's going to be a huge blowout for Christmas. It's going to be a two-parter. We updated the Christmas movies list. We've included The Family Man. And we took out Gremlins. Yeah, because Gremlins is, I mean, it happens around, it's like uh, it's Die Hard. It's like Die Hard. It mm-hmm. happens around Christmas. Christmas doesn't really affect the movie that much. Yeah. So that's how, what we have coming out in the upcoming weeks. So now let's get on into Kita's Corner. What does Kita want us to know this week? Uh, Kita would like to remind everyone to spay and neuter your pets and to adopt from a pet shelter whenever possible. And I know since Christmas is coming up, people are going to... I've seen it on Facebook already. People going, I want a puppy for Christmas. I want to find a puppy for my kid. And then if you can't just get a puppy and then be like, here you go, and then not take care of it. So please, if you do get a dog or a cat or whatever it is, please... Please take care of it. Keep it inside, especially during the winter. It gets very cold where we are. Mm. Um, Gonna snow this weekend. Gonna snow this weekend. So take care of your pets. And uh, Kita wants more turkey immediately. Now into the interesting fact, which is one I read about while researching some of these films. And the interesting fact is that Merlin and Sword of the Stone is based off of Walt Disney who the animators at Disney Studios felt had become too caught up in running the Disney quote-unquote empire and had failed to pay enough attention to the animation studio's needs. They felt like he had become very hands-off. So if you watch how Merlin acts and sort of the stall, that's how the animators thought Walt Disney was towards the company. I suppose. Awful and and then just like up and leaving. 
Yeah. For no good reason. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, Doesn't make it less of a bad film. We need to watch that Walt Disney, like, bio... Saving Mr. Banks? No. Mm. That's about uh, Mary Poppins. We also need to watch that. But there, I think it's called Walt. It's Mm. just called Walt. And uh, it's about, like, the making, like, the startup of the Disney Corporation. And he was working for these other people, and he had made, like, some iconic characters. And then they were like, yeah, these are ours. You can't have these. So he had to redo, start from the ground up, and he actually came up with Mickey Mouse's, Mm -hmm. which is one of the most iconic uh, cartoon characters in the world. Is it weird that... Disney has never made a theatrically released Mickey Mouse film? No, I think it's because it usually, it was like, they had the shorts Mm. that were usually before movies. And then it just sort of became like a cartoon thing on TV. And then once you do that, it's kind of hard to do with Mickey. Was the Three Musketeers, that wasn't? theatrically released Nah, i remember that one well maybe it wasn't a disney animated movie like a disney animated studios probably didn't make it no i think i think there's a different animation Mm. well it's just it seems weird that the characters you know from disney like donald duck goofy mickey mouse have never had a theatrically released movie about them you know it seems like something disney might want to get into perhaps i think it's too late Maybe they could do an adaptation of the Kingdom's Heart storyline and put that out. It would be like five hours long and everyone would be confused, according to our friend Jamie. Yeah. So anything else you want to tell the listeners before we head on out for the day? Definitely rate the show. Yeah, rate the show wherever you listen to it. And if you're going to yell at us, please watch the movies first, again, as an adult, to Uh, to remind yourself. You know, we honestly thought with robin hood that it was gonna be great because we remembered it so fondly and then we watch it again and it's like wow yeah it's not and please you know if you do like the show you can just tweet at us you know uh let us know unless you think chicken little's a good movie don't want you kind (laughs) i'm sure some people grew up with chicken i had the i had the game boy game for chicken little they made some weird games yeah yeah but you know, please just let us know if you're listening. Instagram, Twitter, on YouTube if you watch the videos. Yeah. On Patreon if you want to become a part of the community. Yeah. You can get over you can get in the community for a dollar. We got a Discord. Yeah, Discord comes with uh the Patreon membership. Mm-hmm. So check that out. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Nerds at Odds is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon.com slash Nerds at Odds. If you want to become a member of our community and gain access to the show four days early, gain the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, and so much more, consider supporting us over there. Thank you, and have a great day.